That's all there is this time. Yeah, there's nothing else. <laughs> no, no, you, no you, did, you did it right. That's why we're laughing. <laughs> you nailed it one. I, I usually do it right anymore. <laughs> that's true. Actually. That's just that's just season one. Uh, <laughs> it was it was it was not just season one. Alright, one one hot cool take, go Ryan. Hi, I'm Ryan. Hi, I'm JD. Uh, hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Zach, and this is the Dragon's Den, a casual fireside RPG chat. And today we're going to try and uh, recap uh, Cycle 2, I believe is what we called it. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. And uh, But I think unlike the last time that we did the Dragon's Den, uh, where we started off with some fun things, some softballs, uh, before we get into too much, I want to address our feelings about Adam Coble. Feel free to follow up, guys. Uh, but I'll start off by saying none of us at the Chimera cast condone what Coble did. And on a less sterilized note, uh, fuck this guy. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck, fuck him. him. <laughs> yeah, fuck him pretty hard. And fuck, you know, whatever he represents anymore. But yeah, this guy's a douche. Yeah, I, it is. It's a problem. And since we play Dungeon World, we wanted to address it. Uh, fuck that guy. Um, also, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Dungeons and Dragons and shit, too. Um, fuck Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Dungeon World is definitely you know, takes off of those tropes. Um, and maybe we should address some of that as well. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dungeon world is definitely not free from its like roots and colonialism and stuff. Um, but you definitely don't need to play it that way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, uh, fuck, fuck colonialism, fuck imperialism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, these fuck are cops while we're at it. Fuck these cops while we're of, at it. Yep. <laughs> these are the sorts of things we have in our mind and we'll I hopefully have executed on these sorts of ideas and if we've failed in any kind of way, we're actively trying to be better at that too. Um Yeah. I think all of us are willing to have a conversation about it if you get in touch with us on Twitter or uh Gmail. Do we have one? Yep. So is it the, is it the Chimera yeah. RPG or Chimera RPG? I think it's the Chimera RPG. Uh, We're obviously very professional. I check it all the time. Uh, <laughs> Hold yeah. on. <laughs> we also have direct contact through the website, I believe. Yes, yeah. we that do. As well. comments. Yeah. We do. So if you ever want to contact us about that stuff, um, about any any topics uh, that you find um, difficult or you know you want to engage with in some capacity, we're totally open. As it, always, having those conversations. It is the uh, Chimera RPG. Um, so, and yeah, if, yeah. if you feel like um, we've done something wrong, please reach out and let us know. Because yeah, yeah. we're definitely, we've we're definitely some- valuable. Yeah, or yeah. if we've done something right, that would be nice to hear as well. That also yeah. would be totally mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll admit to not just inviting negative feedback. I would also like positive feedback. But yeah, any feedback is always greatly appreciated. And we want to engage with, with you, the people who decide to listen to us, and uh, just just let you know. I I will say I know we're like super out of the time loop, like continuum. So this is probably coming out way, way, way after the fact uh, of all the things we're talking about. Sorry about that. It's maybe maybe everything. The issues hey, of maybe recording. everything will be solved by then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, so, oh. I'm happy you all survived oh. the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I hope you're it. enjoying your apocalypse uh, or your civil war that's leading to an apocalypse. 
Uh, either way, I hope it's that a good time for you. Get out there and kill some fascists for me. Yeah, uh, they already took Ryan. He's an he's, he's, oh yeah, he's Ryan. A, avenge my death. He's yeah. got he's got a pocket full of Zambucks and he's heading off to Guantanamo right now. Yeah, no, he got Blackbird. Blackbird flying through the sky and just nuked his house. Uh, anyways, Blackhawk, but whatever. What the Not f- this one. <laughs> Not the new ones. No, no, the, the X Men literally showed up to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Wouldn't be mad. <laughs> uh, while we're at it, fuck the X Men. All right. Um. Oh. Oh. No. Magneto. Magneto was right. <laughs> no. Oh, no this well, new, that's not up for debate. <laughs> this new. This new shit's actually really good. Hickman's doing it. You should check it out. Oh yeah. I will say that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't. Listen, like I don't. I don't work shit, in a comic book store anymore. I don't have to deal with that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't have to care anymore. I said, not that I ever dealt with that shit or cared when I did work there. I was gonna say, I feel like you. Someone's like, "How's the new X Men?" And you just handed them a different comic. Like, Try this. Uh, all right, but now, now that uh, uh, we uh, we address the asshole in the room, uh, the asshole in all of us. Uh, let's start off with uh, some more delightful uh, softballs for everyone to get everyone warmed up, lubricate their imaginative space. What is each of your favorite characters slash moments uh, in Cycle 2? Should we clarify that Cycle 2 we consider to be... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. To clarify what Cycle 2 is, we're talking about the second season, the second uh, time each of us runs, so the second four series. Yeah. Yeah, So we we call it a cycle because we literally rotate around the table Yeah. Yeah. for who's DM. So so. so uh, series five through nine, right? Yep. Yeah. Correct. No, eight. No, eight. Five, six, seven. Yeah, eight. five five through yeah. eight. Yep, there uh, are four of us, not not five. Math major over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> counting wow. counting is definitely not part of studying math. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, dog, that's a poetry degree. <laughs> that's a, yeah, no, a, you're gonna, wait you a minute. Gotta, no, you gotta count fucking meter in, uh, in poetry. That's, that's so. true. You actively have to do more counting in poetry. <laughs> Five seven five and you're uh, good. That's all that matters. Uh, um, yeah, uh, that's the I only wish. poem tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort <laughs> sort of. That's iambic pentameter, right? Yep. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Rips off microphone mercilessly. I guess you didn't make it to the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, anyone can start, but Ryan start. Ooh, uh, uh, my favorite player character uh, was Brendis, mm-hmm. and I'm a little biased because uh, is my the game that, that I ran. But yeah. um, I mean, I definitely think he became like the the both the moral heart of the story, and also like the character, like in terms of the the group, sort of the heart of the group, and his arc is very satisfying. It's also a beautiful thing where uh, you know you often aspire to be a good boy. Where Nathan aspires to be a shitbag. Yeah, Nathan was forced to become a really good boy. As as, as he's like, yeah, but no! I but I often play characters who are good boys who end up yeah. being bad boys. Like yeah. actually, the shitty like Amar is not a good person. No, but yeah. Brendis ends up being a good person. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Two passing ships in the night. I think it's beautiful. Um, my he's favorite NPC is a good Cass. person and dead. Yeah. I, oh, was, yeah. I was def- yeah. I was I was 100% going to say Kaz. Also, yeah, the 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 one the good person that Nathan's played is has fucking died. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, Kaz is also uh pretty fun. 
Yes. No, he's a great NPC. Um, that's the that's the guy who said we will be gods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah he yeah. wanted he wanted to go to Rongercom and conquer them because he's taller because he's a fucking yeah. idiot. It's and I know that this though. question is coming later, but I can't wait for Kaz to show up again. <laughs> yeah. Soon. As a fucking assume... head on a stick in Rongercom. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of what I assume will happen. Counter- counterpoint. He's he's in uh, Frothgar's court because Frothgar, Frothgar thinks he's hilarious. He got confused. That actually would be so really going funny. to Rongercom. He ended up in the fjord. He's, yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's Frothgar's fool. Yeah, the royal court jester. Yeah, he just he just bring out the tall talk. man. <laughs> <laughs> you are all subservient to me, bellowing laughter of the dwarves. <laughs> yes, worship me with your laughter. Give me food and bed. <laughs> that dude's living the dream. <laughs> he's just a dog in fucking <laughs> he's got the princess leia costume on <laughs> he just wheezes everywhere and shits on the floor and they all just are like that's so funny <laughs> look at this fucking idiot <laughs> look they clean up after me and everything <laughs> truly he is the archetypical human yeah. it's one yeah <laughs> he's man <laughs> I'm not in prison. You're in prison. <laughs> the real prison is society. <laughs> I think a kid said he, that to he, me he, once. <laughs> I think he might be the who's the the Greek philosopher that like fucking lived in a in a garbage bin. He's basically Oscar and like uh, oh, you're, you're, uh, Diogenes. Yeah, yeah, he's basically that guy who rules. So Diog- oh, Diogenes is my favorite. Uh, cool, JD. How about you? Uh, go Ooh, up next. Oh man. Um, why didn't I think about these questions? <laughs> the ones that you you proposed. Yeah, I literally <laughs> I literally wrote them down and then was like, well, don't have to ever worry about these ever again. <laughs> I also have an attachment to, I guess, my own game. Um, but it's like it's so. Uh, it if I'm gonna choose one, I don't want to like cop out just because it's already been said. But Brendis is also the the my favorite character of this cycle. Just. The way that the story definitely revolved around him um, was phenomenal. But also, shout out to us for at every opportunity that we could do something with him, we did. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Hmm, who are we going to assassinate? Oh, his mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who's the Who's there, the leader yeah. of this rebellion? Which oh, his which, baby mama. <laughs> this well, This is not an RPG advice podcast, but uh, if you have one character who's from the place that you are. Make everything about that place about that one character oh, because in some way, it's yeah. it's the maybe the strongest way to make a city come to life really fast and make it important to your character. That's that's Characters. a whole that's that's like a thing with like when you make NPCs, just make a few NPCs, give them names, and make them know people. Like yeah, they if they don't know anyone, don't have them be there. Yeah, it's just yeah. side cut that you know it creates an unrealistic world, but also makes it an interesting world like you're playing a main character yeah. tie them into everything no yeah. it's like yeah. it, it all it all the only reason it's unrealistic is because it trims out the fat of like the idea of like weeks of getting to know somebody or creating these connections and these connections just get to already be instilled so it's just cutting out the chaff and making it more direct and impactful which is what we want to do on our games anyways i don't want to yeah. spend i we hid outside for 2 weeks and we, i infiltrated their cabal in order to join them we we play short stories not novels right. yeah exactly right. Right. so yeah. everything in a short story has to be important everything in our games has to connect to the characters yeah, so, yeah that's a capacity. that's a good way of saying it yeah <laughs> absolutely 
Um, so yeah, if I if I was going to pick one character, I'd, I'd pick that. If I were to pick something else, it's probably the um, Omid Rao like relationship as far as like a yeah. character story goes or a character arc goes. Um, just because the entire game, I'm just dying for them to make out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it finally happens. Yes, it's so satisfying. After yeah, all of this like trauma, I'm I'm very excited to revisit their story because it's obviously we've. More so than season, or more so than cycle one, cycle two planted a lot more seeds of like people that are going to come back. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm pretty hyped about it. Uh, other like yep. other favorite favorite moment or whatever, um, which I think was also yeah. part of this, right? Uh, is yeah, Nolsk dying is like yeah. I know it's my character, so but whatever, fuck you. Um, Nolsk right. having like a good ending after his yeah. shit tier life. Um was really satisfying and i thought came about in a really organic way that i certainly wasn't expecting and it just happened but it's it the whole arc of everything the two armies clashing his like old general showing up or his old warlord showing up you know and getting to confront him and then like succeeding and then and then dying like a real death and is now in in the land of the dead like not a the pythian nightmare um yeah is beautiful i think and was really satisfying so well i was gonna say nolsk and and uh oh, thank you now i gotta yeah no i i i love speaking of bad guys who turned out to be good guys not that nolsk was explicitly like evil but he was a little less sympathetic and then became more so mm-hmm. as time went on really softened uh granted he also has the benefit of having two series true yeah. true any moments that stuck out to you? Any moment? Any moment. I mean, we already talked about Rao Mead kissing at the end of the Dimension. Yeah, yeah that, that was good. That was wonderful. Really good. Not for nothing, Gashana walking off during that also was perfect. It's really, yep. That whole scene is really good. I mean, yeah. the end of that game, the way that like the moves and dice interact with the story of like, you know, the two people who are in love and then the one person just being like alone now. Yeah. It's and, really good. Yeah. And also her sever it's it's symbolic of her severing off her relationship with humans in general, which yes. we see later in uh in Zach's game. <clears throat> nope. All Ryan's game. Ryan's game. <laughs> in Ryan's game, sorry, miss misspoke. <laughs> it's cool. So if we're talking about all that, introducing a new one, it is going to be the memory uh what do you call, what was it called when we had to go back into those into our memories? In uh, your game, Zach. The, yeah, like the memory arch. Yeah, yeah. where you... Uh, uh, Bale's, Bale's adventure in the memory arch, which has a much more uh, subtle name. Yeah. Uh, where he he lives he lives the, the death that he already wanted. Oh, he yeah, lives the life yeah. that he wanted to live and then leaves. Has to leave it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really, really fun and really... Enga- that, was, that was definitely one of my favorite parts of the, the whole... My whole series was those moments because they really allowed you guys to, I think... Uh, engage with your characters in a way that I was like, I felt like I was missing a little bit. It was a cool was take that I definitely wasn't expecting when we went to Pythia. Like I was not expecting introspection to be on the the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to be in Pythian hell. Yeah, and no. also done in a way that seemed thematically appropriate right. too. It, it it was a a good fit for what was happening. A well, weird sort of nightmarish, you know. And and it's a good trap because. It's unavoidable, mm-hmm. and it also is like a character choice. Like, there was a part of me that was like, "Nope, this is Bale just dies. Like, Bale stays, and I'm just not in the rest of the game." Uh, 
Because I, I legitimately for a minute was like, why would Bale ever go, go back? Um, and then I remember that he's like the one good person I've played who's actually a good person. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, it's perfect. Totally. It's like that's that's always fun when you can kind of get to the point where your character asks that question, uh, where they're like, my character wouldn't do this, but it's actually like you want it you know it's not yeah, you know, yeah. you're like oh I, I wanted you to ask that and then also find with i'm asking you to find within yourself and within your character's skin why they want to go forward i mean that's the a table conversation was great speaking of like rpg advice you know have traps that don't hurt people have traps that are that absolutely have traps that I like mean, yeah. make you sit there and think <laughs> about your character and then it's over and then you're yeah. done that's why i did the um uh the vision of 13 years um also that was good that was yeah. good that was yeah uh sick uh for me ukazuko as a kid uh was probably oh. my favorite uh character in the sense of like big commend commendation jd i think ukaz has been a really what was a really awesome stretching of your character work um ukaz was really fun uh but it felt really connected to who he was as a younger person who had grown up inside of you know this very uh, strict and guideline visit bordered like uh, religious practice and so just the kind of like um i don't want to say uncomfortable humor but do you know what i mean by that like the the humor with which he kind of like bald-faced like contradicted and talked at people was just great and it always made me laugh or made me very happy to have him engage with things like even to the point at the end when he was just defiantly walking around uh you know being like fuck all this i don't care let's move on <laughs> and it doesn't feel like the it feel it felt like ukaz is doing that not a like a player who wanted to mm. get to the end it was like no this is very motivated and very cool um so yeah thank just, you just you know yeah ukaz is great magnus is a great uh, Mag uh magnus is the best npc i'd forgotten oh, about magnus oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. i also yeah i mean i having just edited that also but yeah fucking awesome He's a fun NPC to do because it's like the worst parts of myself are Magnus. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's also the type of thing where I was thinking in the shower about it because I was thinking about I did think about that aspect of it was um, we kind of present the dwarven culture as very intense and uh, very, you know, almost austere or savage, you know, just kind of we, we, we've never presented it as like, here's a drunken idiot from that area. Uh, you can also assume that some of their culture has a celebratory nature attached to it, right? Like my original uh, envision of Frothgar was he was a, a drunk fool as well, which is funny because I don't think I've ever because he ends up becoming a fascist, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's kind of that funny thing where it's like, no, there's an aspect of uh, celebration within the culture that I hope to explore at some point in the future. And I mean, I know that it's kind of like a stereotypical dwarf thing, but I think because my last game is one of the only games we've seen dwarves or my first game and they were very like religious and austere and like on this kind of crusade oh yeah the uh, the like, iron the iron crow and shit yeah, yeah and then it's like no no <laughs> yeah. there there are some of them who are just like regular people who like m me and a lot of my friends just like to get really fucked up all the time yeah, I just yeah. cut loose man <laughs> yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's only you saying that now where it's like oh it's a trope of dwarves is like i never that never occurred to me it was like oh no he's just a drug dealer he just, yeah, yeah he just felt like because of course he comes in on a ship <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah he's like, like yeah, half no. pirate half traitor half spy yeah half diplomat 
Exactly. Yeah, a yeah. man who lies out of both sides of his mouth. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just a, he's just a spy. Like, yeah, he is. What, he is what he needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, no, I, I. This is how you get information. You just get everybody really fucked up and pay attention. And the only way that you can do that is you have attention. to be really fucked up all the time so that you can handle it. It's <laughs> <That's Yeah>. also <laughs> part of it, right? Like, hey, that's what he tells. I love himself. his. Yeah, I love his weird <laughs> mental gymnastics to get there. <laughs> but yes, uh, that's great. Uh, as far as scenes go. The thing, the thing about you like think about it. It's like there are so many great scenes that I could I could name for so many different reasons, in the sense of like I feel like we all explored different um, as as we all do always do like explored really different bounds. Like the scenes that remind that I'm reminded of the most are extremes and different. Like I'm reminded of the soft scenes in Ryan's games. I'm reminded of the big show pieces in Nathan's games. I'm reminded of the strangeness of JD's games and my own games, whatever. Um, so it's like, Oh, should I pick a quiet moment or a really loud moment? I think I'm drawn right now to like the giant fire ax wielding end bass battle that I feel like you got to have. Na- of Nathan, P- of, of Pimir. Pimir. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that was great. And I listened back to it not too long ago. And I was just like, this is just a great, epic fight and it feels really good and i'm glad we got one in you know like a like a bot like it felt like you were kind of a little anxious about the boss battles in the beginning and then it's like man we got some bangers what and that, that one especially was really really fun uh, i don't i don't know what the next question is we can just lead that into what we think we did right <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I'll, um, ta- I'll take I'll take that, and because you're talking about Pymir, which is the the penultimate fight, and my favorite thing is uh, as as the boss battles go on, is that the enemies get more hum like human. A Pymir on it, I mean, obviously is like a big monstrous thing, but he's the most humanoid, actually physically looking one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Head is like very you know very talkative, and and then um, Errol Holland is a manipulative piece of shit but the 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 monstrousness of each of these is are more aspects of humanity than they are like the first two that you kill who are just monstrous things and agents of chaos so that was a a, a very nice progression i found as i listened back to oh, yeah. my own thing i don't know if i'm jumping the line here oh you totally are but i'm gonna play around it in a great way uh, because I actually took that question off because I'm I think I'm I think I might just delete or whoever's just delete that and have you just say that cool because I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna transfer over to this what I think is actually the next logical set of questions I was listening to our last dragon's den uh, and we ah. all set up expectations for ourselves so I oh, wanted to no. see, I wanted to oh, see how no. y'all <laughs> um, they're actually great uh, so I'll start uh, Ryan. Uh, you had set out for yourself for your next series. Uh, you wanted to ask questions to flesh out ideas about the world. You felt that you wanted to avoid. You you felt like the islands in the first time around were kind of not. You didn't you didn't populate them. You didn't feel them with stuff, and you wanted to make everything feel a lot more grounded and structured within questions and how we interacted with it. Because you were playing a game at the same time and you were having a lot of fun with that. Uh, do you feel like you accomplished that goal in the second time? Uh yeah, I, for the I most hate part. This. Why like, would you do I'm, this to us? Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, wait a minute, you read, you listened to the last podcast we did and are following up. You um, asshole! Can I speak for you, Ryan? You did a great job with it. Yeah, oh, thank you. I'm, uh, I, I wanted okay. to. I, I, yeah. I was about to self my, critique myself way harder than that, but I, I think that I did do a better job in terms of, um, 
like in the moment questions using those to flesh the world out. Absolutely. But I think, I don't know. It's just my GMing style is always going to be to prep and world build a lot on my own because I find it, uh, edifying. Like it's just fun. Yeah. Like it's my, it's one of my favorite parts of playing role playing games. So I'm never going to not do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that if you're like me, you need to be prepared to throw all that out the window at a moment's notice. Yeah. Or ask questions that are like really well written and guided towards not getting answers that you want, but getting answers that like are in the vein or the spirit that you're looking for. Um, and some of that is because I know you guys really well. I can write those kind of questions. But yeah, so I guess on the whole, I suppose I did a good job. I think, but it, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you, even if you didn't remember you set out to do that, I think you did that a yeah. lot more in spirit. I felt like we controlled so much more of the rhythm and flow of the world. Yeah. It, like the structures of the of the world that you presented were so mechanical that when we were outside the arena, it really felt like a sandbox for us to explore how we wanted to. Oh, good. And you know, like yeah. I, I don't know how you guys felt, but I felt I felt the kind of like openness of that and the structure of the 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 fights and everything. That was like, well, of course, like this is a it, you know, we played in the idea of it was a performance piece, so the structure was even our characters were bought into that idea of we are performers, almost like performing a play, and therefore it worked super well for me. JD? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. JD's just nervous because nope. I'm about to ask him next, what the fuck did I say I'm, on this yeah, last one? He's like, just ready. No, actually, no, I thought, says here, you I, thought really, I thought it was really, really good. I mean, like, like we talked about, we were the main characters and it never felt like we weren't, but also it was clear that we were big dummies in a, a city that was moving on its own accord. And part of that was definitely your continual, like, you know, uh, your, your use of your fronts um progressing the story around us i think was really good and helped helped like sell that feeling um so it, i will tell you personally it was a lot more satisfying jataka was a lot more satisfying than the islands i like that game a lot um yeah don't get me wrong but uh it it definitely was a uh a really you know that i mean this campaign that campaign i say this because i'm still editing it but um <laughs> that campaign is definitely a special one like it it worked really really well i think i mean i I'll just say it. it's the best game I've ever run. Yeah, I think um, I think it's definitely by a good. wide margin. Yeah, it's very good. I, I talked to Leah into listening to it, and she also thinks it's really good. And she doesn't listen to our shitty podcast. So, oh, oh well, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's also beautiful because something we haven't talked about yet is how the GMless aspect of that game uh, also really allowed you to play into what you wanted to do when you give us all authoritative that's true like power yeah. to change things in the world and be the gm for a moment from a different perspective that's just that's better that's better than any question you can ask well, and it's not something I, realistic i definitely but. realized there were times when uh during the gm list game mm -hmm. when you guys would be like well ryan what's happening and i'd be like well no, that's the, the whole point of yeah. doing this was for me not to have to do this yeah um i do it it is appreciated when you have fronts that you're trying to advance and stuff that like oh no that stuff is still happening it's just this is a GMless game, and it makes makes for an interesting dichotomy of a GMless game. It, that that's one of my favorite aspects of the game that I ran was doing that side by side. Like I love politics shit, and so those two things like together, it's like 
it's my favorite shit is like the big view and also these like dumb idiots who don't know what the big view is yep exactly and it, it that that felt good and yeah it Again, something that we haven't been able to do, and I think it's harder to do with just a, a part the same party, the same GM, is to give that kind of like tiered or layered feel that the world is doing things on different axes. You know, right? You try your best to be like, all right, well, all an explosion happens in the distance, and these thing you hear the mutter of this, right? But it's information that's fed very directionally to the players like when we're mm-hmm. acting upon things it makes it just gives it a texture if you will that feels very like the world is alive because we're like oh that's when the like shit where you're just like oh like the ships are like this but you're doing it in that context and it just changes you know all of a sudden it's attached to Karul who said you know jd playing Karul who said this thing about this instead of the gm or one of the the normal three yeah I'm- just backing up to another set piece or scene that I really, really liked was Karul's shadow play, where we each had to play uh, a different. Uh, inf- that was different definitely my favorite um, like yeah. moment from the from the GM of the series. Definitely it was like just you guys like coming up with these people and and running with it and just doing your own scenes and seeing how things like different things, especially um, uh, um, Cool's cult uh, was excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that informed a lot about what I thought was happening with Turkey cool. Like yeah. they completely changed. I like my initial thing was that Turkey cool is going to be the one who convinced you guys to go to, to go into the castle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't supposed yeah. to be a bad guy. And now th- at like that completely was like, Oh no, Turkey cool is the, the biggest villain in the city right now. I don't, I don't know when you made that distinction, but in the third episode, Orello does a discern realities, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's an arm with a bunch of elvish bite marks out of it behind him. Oh, he was always meant to be a cannibal, but he was never meant to be, like, the big bad. He was just supposed to be a a person of, like, shitty morals, but who's, like, on the right side of history, maybe? Yeah. Um. But, yeah, then he was just like, oh, no, he's the he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he never gets dealt with, so Turkey Cool is still out there trying to summon the doper call back i was really worried that i was drunk and forgot the end of the, the story i was like yeah we totally took care of that nope <laughs> nope still hanging out there nope, yeah he's the he's the big bad all right it's definitely well, definitely a big bad that come back i feel like which is tight 100 percent. um jd you had said uh after after your first after your first game you had talked about the city being very antagonistic and the hope was that we would move around in the world and engage with it not in basically that we wouldn't be like fight fight uh but we kind of played stupidly and played into that and just gave ourselves a really hard time so you had said uh you want to create a situation where combat uh is not as accessible uh and you wanted to do more puzzles and things like this and i think this i mean i think what you set up was the exact thing that you you know put forward I mean, I, um, but how do you feel about it after, you know, uh, I, yeah, I had the advantage, right? Cause we recorded that, that dragon's den and I had already planned most of the dimension or I at least knew, you know, definitely what I was aiming for with the dimension. Um, yeah, there, we start out and it's pretty action heavy. And then once you guys actually get through the fuck, whatever I called it, you, you ascend the, the six turns, the six steps. And actually enter the grounds of the dimension. 
things mellow out real quick and like there's not like combat's not really a big thing and the only issue comes in is when you guys are trying to deal with the constructs um that are protecting yeah. it usually and it's just you guys being like hmm, i'm gonna i'm gonna poke this and it's like no that's not allowed which was a really satisfying throwback also when that came back uh in ypsilanti's tower in jitaka where there was the construct on top and you guys were like don't fuck with it <laughs> <laughs> i forgot really about satisfying that. Yeah. Yeah. um but uh yeah i definitely didn't nail everything that i wanted to do um in in the dimension i i wish i wouldn't have made the other people waiting there um as like standoffish as they were because then that ended up kind of leading to more conflict and i i wish i would have had more interaction there but, you know, like, you guys meeting his apprentice was all cool, and a lot of the stuff that happens is it was definitely you guys exploring a strange world, and combat was not the focus of that campaign. Absolutely. And I definitely didn't always nail it, but I feel like, especially after you guys go through all this weirdness and encounter a bunch of strangers, having that big fight at the end was really satisfying, and I think made Absolutely. that feel very important. Because yeah. it was very clear that I was like, yeah, this is the end of the game. Like, this is the climax. And you guys knew it. And it was, it felt, you know, and you knew that I wasn't going to pull any punches. And I didn't. And so, like, that that really lent that importance to that combat. Um, which was the only time that I really had antagonists. Everybody else was just, like, doing their own shit. And things would happen. Um, when, so, yeah. I, I have issues with that game. But I'm happy with it as far as that perspective goes, I think. I think it's a great thing to echo back to something that you had said at, at the same moment too. Uh, cause you were talking about your first game and you were like, you know, I'm never satisfied with a game, but as long as the players had fun at the end, like, you know, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Oh, like some of that can fall away cause we're, we're exploring things. And we're having fun. And I agree with old JD and new JD, right? Like you're trying a, a lot of things that I think are, really difficult and challenging in dungeon world right like to to sort of put to task discern realities a little bit to ask questions of when the move triggers how the move uh works when to my mind um dungeon world runs at its hottest at its best when you're just like discern realities discern realities doesn't matter tell them everything let them have it you know like to, to try and slow that tempo down, I think that was where you like we could run into some of that stuff, some of the more difficult things with like, can we just move on? But it's like, no, I'm trying to capture something and explore an aspect of this game. And I think like at the end, we really I feel like we took away a lot of un, a, a greater understanding of how this game functions and how it functions best. And, you know. Uh, things of that nature if you yeah, guys want to hop in the dimension would have really been served by being played in trophy if trophy i was literally just you... thinking about this about mentioning this yeah 100 percent, right like that actually is totally true it would have been an amazing well, trophy I, game. I i built it using um i built it using the seclusium of orphony of three visions um which is a supplement for lamentations of the flame princess which is an osr game and so it it was an osr dungeon it's you know it yeah. Would, yeah yeah exactly right yeah you should make a dimension of the tectomancer trophy incursion that, that's actually yeah, a good that'd idea. be actually pretty sick yeah yeah right like the just even the mechanic of set goals that that was the thing right? yeah, it's yeah. just like that's there, brilliant there were, there were frequent times where it's like you can have a puzzle but also tell them how to solve the puzzle and then the, you, we just had to figure out the middle part and yeah that's the best part of an oreo 
Exactly. Um, that's that's all the cream cheese, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say that <laughs> one of my favorite parts <laughs> or traps or obstacles in the Dimension is the wall in uh, Ypsilanti's chamber where it's like literally just a question of willpower to get through it. That uh, one was like really great, yeah. we were so frustrated and then uh, and then it happened and we're all like, "Oh, that's that's good." Yeah, we, yeah, I think we all were just good. like, "Yeah, that's like, good. That's you did really it. good." Yeah, it was it was this I mean, literal literally a breakthrough moment of the the stories like really taking off from that point, but also like it felt earned when we got it. Yeah. And it was like, oh yeah, this is this it is feels good. cool. And yeah. I feel I feel on the smart side of things. I'm glad that I tried things. Yeah. yeah. I was that's the one that, that if I were to point one out that I was like, yes, that that nailed exactly what I wanted to do. That's the one. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I also really liked when Rao had to run over the edge of the di- you know, like a diving board or whatever and walk around the <laughs> That was oh, yeah. like that. that was really just, great. And, he just gets to the other side and throws up. That's, <laughs> yeah, he just that's another everywhere. Yeah, memory that really sticks with me too. Yeah, that was great. All right. Yeah, yeah there were, a lot of those puzzles were really good. I know that you know it didn't quite work in the way that you wanted to in a lot of ways, but I think I think on the whole, particularly when many of us are like, "Man, Rao and Omid were my favorite parts of that game, and I love them making out at the end." It's like that's not just us, right? Like that's also as much yeah. the dimension as anything. Exactly. There yeah. was a great sense of tension throughout the whole dimension, yeah. which is a big rose for that whole game. Is that like, I think that's kind of hard to do when you're doing a weekly game. And I, I mean, some uh, inside baseball, we weren't recording super frequently when we did the dimension. And so yeah. keeping that sense of tension throughout like I never came to a session and was like, "Well, whatever. This is probably gonna be boring." I w- it was always like, "Well, shit. Like everything seems horrible here." Yeah, and it, there was never like a relenting moment, and that, yeah, is is fantastic. Like to keep just keep the pressure on that whole time. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, sick. All right, moving along. Uh, Nathan, goody. Uh, you wanted to narrow my focus. Uh, you wanted focus scenarios, and you really uh hammered home the fact that you wanted to describe um your set like your set pieces and your sets really well you felt like sometimes their descriptions of the landscape fell to the wayside and that you wanted to really try and uh give a lot of flavor i guess to the world that you were describing because you had felt like you just forgot it forgot to do that sometimes there were fluctuations and parts where i think that that was okay in like Ig Thought, for example, I don't know how well that si- how well that imagery sits with you guys, but I can at least imagine the interior of Ig Thought. Yeah. Um, and like mm-hmm. finding Ig Thought on the valley, right? And he's there's like lightning striking, and there's all these little dudes running around, running toward him. Little pieces like that, I think, are really cool. Heads Swamp, on the other hand, I think was a little bare and uh not super great. But then you guys find the the tower that he's sitting in, like the uh like from the Monkey King, yeah, and that was kind of cool. So I, mixed bag, I could have hit it better, but I think I did a better job than before, for whatever that's worth. I think that, if nothing else, like the idea of narrowing down, I think you did a really good job of, if nothing else, each set piece was a has kind of a bright light to it that I remember. And maybe some connecting threads aren't as just visually descriptive, but I think you did a really good job of grounding us in what was happening at the most important moments in the story, right? We knew what was happening in the world at the time when we were, you know, structurally, when we were facing the Colossi, right? And, uh, and well, that, that was great. That was something, obviously, I was doing, setting out to do was like, I'm not, I'm going to be as bare with you guys as I can. There wasn't, 
there wasn't supposed to be like some big underlying mystery to anything really. Um, I, I lie a little bit saying that, but we'll get to that eventually. But there, but I was trying to be as, as, as plain with you guys as possible. It's like, this is where this person is person. This is where this Cyclops is. This is how, what, it, what, the, what they're going to do. And this is how you probably kill them. Right. And like, you guys will kind of slowly chip away at that. Right. As I introduce each individual part. So I felt it's certainly more directed. It was a more direct game than uh, my previous. Naving your game f- was clearly in- inspired by and felt a lot like uh, Shadow of the Colossus, right? Where you're like, it's all boss fights. Um, and the things in the middle, like connecting them, like don't aren't going to be the things that like stick out. And so I, you definitely didn't emphasize those, them as much, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It was just a very different type of game. But you definitely set each of those, like like Zach was saying, you come to the arena where you're going to fight the Colossus in that game, and you're like, oh, this is clearly a place I'm going to fight a Colossus. <laughs> like, where's it going to come from? What's happening? And yeah. it, it felt like that. Every blade of grass was described yeah. when we got to those scenarios. We knew exactly what was going on around mm-hmm. us. It wasn't like, you're in a field, a nondescript field. It was and always the- like, there are flames around you. And you're like, fuck yeah, all right, let's I mean, this. And this, it also <laughs> like fed into the, um, the meta-narrative of it being not necessarily a reality which barely yeah. gets picked up mm-hmm. on um but i think i think was there all right let's uh we, you, that can is now no open. we'll come back to it so it's all right okay there's there's because we have a, a thing about stuff we missed right here, here let me <laughs> one see one of uh I, I, you can't you don't get to ask a question to yourself I, okay yeah sure <laughs> it's fucking hosting the the debate <laughs> panel like me announcer you have two well, minutes so what I would re- you do <laughs> <laughs> now I'm running for president. <laughs> so it says negotiating, giving up control slash control. Yeah, great. So that's a really interesting question. Thank you for asking, Nathan. I did. Um, I just assumed you would actually have written it out. No, I, guess I, I wrote this like 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes before I came. But I have it all in my brain. That's the important thing. So my my big thing with my last bit was I was I felt like I had given up too much control to people. I was worried. I think I was still in that stage where I was anxious about the Toad Men being funny and like kind of goofy and not, you know, I was like, oh, I had thought this would have been a totally different thing, not realizing the brilliance of just like, this well, is great. As, as yeah, the person with the character who died the most to Toad Men, uh, they were great. They were very scary. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm it, sorry. It was, what? Well, I, I rolled Black Gates more. Times wow. Yeah. Because if you, if you roll it once oh. and miss, you, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a hundred percent pass fail, yeah. but you didn't. You didn't uh, die the most to Toad Men. I did, thank you, with one. But, well, <laughs> yeah, one. The, one the, to mo- your the zero. most times that you hold. Can wait, die. wait. Tokenak didn't die to Toad yes. Men. No, he died to a giant alligator. All right, whatever. Oh, he did die to Toad yeah. Man. Yeah, he got he stabbed got, with got, a he knife. He got stabbed underwater. Yeah. He got shanked underwater. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, I was thinking it was the alligator. Never mind. Go on. The alligator was Carry a, on. JD's a, right. Yeah, JD's always right. Um, <laughs> well. So, <laughs> yeah, that mine was I wanted to try and uh, construct a little bit more of a world for you to engage with. I said something about, like, carrots and sticks. It doesn't matter. Like, I just I wanted I wanted not everything in the world to be built by the players so that it didn't just feel like you were fulfilling your own desires a little bit. I wanted to do some, right? Like my first game was really like, I latched onto what Amar had said. And I was like, this game is going to be about Amar now because this is driving force. Like it, it, it came with the, you know, the sacrificial lamb being token act dying. And it was like, this is really about Amar and 
Sanagar, like their engagement all of a sudden, it, like the narrative came, became about them and became more or less about Amar, right? And his quest to, to find the tusk. And so for this, for my second game, I wanted to, you know, I, I guess I wanted to play around with mysteries and do some other stuff. Uh, on the whole, I think I did what I set out to do in the kind of way that JD, uh, it's like, I did what I wanted. I didn't, I don't feel quite satisfied with it, but I think I learned what I don't like about having like hard and fast mysteries and hard and fast, like, uh, aspects of the world that I kind of want to hold on to. Uh, I feel like as a, as a GM, when I was doing that, I felt a little bit more stilted in the actual world. And once we got to hell, it was great. I was just like this, I just have stuff and it's like a crawl and we can engage with our players and do whatever. But like kind of on top of the, when we were in, in the, the normal world, I had all these things set up and sometimes it felt a little bit stilted and I wish that I wouldn't have held on so preciously i think to like the characters and relationships that i had like all these npcs kind of buzzing around in the background that didn't really fucking matter uh at the end of the day that i could have just done the exact same thing by being like why are they important to you why do you find them engaging but i wanted again like that's why i was like you're all on this boat how did you get here you're kind of you know i asked a bunch of leading questions which is another thing i said and i just did that and i think i kind of like took a little bit of agency away from you guys in a way that I won't ever do again. I don't know. I don't think that I ever felt like a lack of agency. I I immediately felt like a stranger in a strange land from a role-playing perspective, which we all were. And I, I actually think you did a fantastic job of that, of like the NPCs we did meet. I mean, we forged an almost immediate connection to most of them. We were either like, fuck this guy, or like, well, this guy is weird, but he's cool. Did we think that about so, anybody? I'm pretty sure we just said fuck this guy to every single NPC we well, met. Well, Kaz, <laughs> Kaz, Bale and Kaz had the nice scene of playing uh, Rooks That's in true. the, in That's the true. Yeah. Yeah. with a floating Rook set. That, yeah. was, that was delightful. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about the floating Rook set. That's I remember them good. playing in the bath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really great. Yeah, I, I think you're being uh, a yeah, little unfair t- to yourself. I think you, I think you uh, hit a nice middle ground of like, both creating a world for us to interact with and making it feel alive, but also giving us pictures to paint and giving us real opportunities for our characters to matter in a in a in the world. Yeah, it was definitely a much more constructed, planned adventure, I think. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. We ended up with that because, like, you played your cards really close to your chest. You know, we were afraid of the d- big bad death guy because he seemed spooky, even though his library was V nice, and we probably should have figured out that, like. He wasn't such a bad guy, but they're like, oh, he's here. You can talk to him. We're like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> not talk- We got to yeah. get out of here yeah. now. Um, and then the, the fucking dragon fight, which is the reveal of the the per, per, Perusians, Peruvians. What do we fucking call them? Par- pari. Par- oh, I think the it might have been. I think pari. it might have been Pari. The, the pari. Yeah, pari. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the reveal that they were the bad guys uh, was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sudden, you know, that sudden um, turn on our part where we're like, oh, shit, okay, I guess we should listen to these guys. And then they're like, all right, we have a plan. We're like, cool, what is it? They're like, you're going to hell. And we're like, that's not a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds real, sounds real shitty for us. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, all of, the, all of the fucking beats that JD is bringing up were, were like, great. Yeah, it worked. So definitely, when, like, the, the, like uh, being in the city and everything that was going on there, we were definitely, like Ryan said, strangers in a strange land. We were like, we're clearly, like, I don't know what's going on. 
And then as things unfolded, once we got to that halfway point of the campaign, it was like, oh, <laughs> okay, cool. Well, and our, our characters were a little, you know, uh, like, uh, something's not right here, but us as car- us as players were definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, what you got up your sleeve? <laughs> What, yeah. are you, what are you fucking with? And we, but we, it's not like we weren't playing ball. It's not like, yeah. No, you guys always play ball. Yeah, I mean, you that. you did a really good job of actually giving us hints that we were on the wrong side. Like yeah. uh, the the jail cell scene mm. was, I, I felt was really like, good, actually, yeah. wait a minute. I don't want to die here, so I'm going to fight against these people trying to kill me. But I feel like a, a cabal of priests who seem to be torturing these two children are maybe not the good guys. Yeah, I mean, there's just like a, there were a lot of moments where it was like, nah, I don't, I don't know what's actually happening here. Um, yeah. Or the the scene uh, in the theater mm. when he's like, you don't know when the the thing, the long necked guy was like, you don't know what's really going on here. And Bale was like, he, you're fucking right, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to say nothing of the fact that you got the guy that you introduced, like you introduced us to the world to, was a slaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, it, and and you're like, I didn't think this guy would be a bad guy. I thought you guys might get along. It's like, no, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and but it wasn't in the kind of way where you never set up anything antagonistic to us. It was yeah. you were always totally willing to play with us, even in a world that was antagonistic. Yeah. Which is a weird, like a hard line to cool. straddle. And I think you yeah. did a good job. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Also, making Inji like a a boss Ng, when when all, that's guy. when all we'd wanted the whole time was like, man, I just kind of want to kick Inji's ass. It was just like. Yes, now I get to kick Indy's ass, and then it was far from that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was something that was just like you guys set that up so early, and I was like, well, I didn't really have this totally planned out, but it's like, yeah, he's he's definitely like a fanatical servant now for sure. Right? I, like, so, so here's a, a just a question for you. Absolutely. Did you did you have that all planned out? Did you know the whole like when you started the whole game? Did you know that that's where it was going? Vaguely. It's like it's like like, like you knew that like the empress or whatever was was the ultimate villain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like my the the idea the idea that it originally spawned from uh, like an idea that vampirism is a uh like a side effect or whatever of fucking around with Pythians. Like that was how I wanted to kind of introduce the idea. We didn't really get there with like the whole trope of vampirism. Uh, it was there, but it was just like unnecessary. So the exceedingly long lives of the empresses and things of this nature—that uh, was—that was sort of the lineage of them and their children. Uh, yeah, I'm way uh, too—I'm way the, too dumb. That never, it was, I never got. There. It was type of shit where it was like I wanted it all to be there, and I didn't want you to feel overly committed to engaging with any of it. And I was kind of thing where I was like, ah, I'm just gonna let all the shit fall by the wayside. But I do, I do like that as vampirism being this code for your your life sources getting sucked off by something, um, which keeps you alive. But like, mm, but are you? It's not. It's, it's not more true like immortality, an which is really to die. Like true yeah. immortality, or you know, like yeah, we're gonna talk about that too. I think later. So we kind of hit on this. Uh, so maybe we can make this one quicker. What is something that you nailed that you were hoping to achieve as a DM in your in your so, series? Obviously, yeah. So. I, I have a feeling the second part of this uh, answer is going to be the the question that you ask maybe next. Mm-hmm. Um, the what you failed. Yeah, you can hit. Let's just let's do it both. Throw okay. both out. What? Okay. Something that you nailed. Be- something that you failed. Uh, I knew going into this game that to to do what I was hoping to do, I was gonna have to put juggle a lot of balls at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, and that I knew that. <laughs> God damn it, Nathan. Nathan, are you being a child? I wanted to make a joke about squirrels. 
<laughs> you got pockets in your cheeks for all these. Never mind. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tie that in too. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was basically. <laughs> I'm trying to be fucking Charlie Rose over here, and you're hitting me with the goddamn nuts my, and mouths it, jokes. No, it's not my fault. It's really not. <laughs> it, it, it's my father's fault who raised me. He said he had to juggle a bunch of balls. What's not funny about that? I knew. Are I, you crying? I almost, I almost Are you started crying with laughter? He is. He's fucking crying. You want to just change it to like, I, I knew I was going to have to juggle a lot of chainsaws. It wouldn't have been funny. It would have been fine. It would have been weird. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But balls, that's silly. Those are male genitalia. <laughs> chainsaws are very oh, serious. Please, All four please of us note, have some. Please note, Nathan is the oldest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Odd how that works. <laughs> Go. I think the thing that I succeeded at that I set out to do was that I managed to, in the end, bring a lot of those ideas that I set out at the beginning of the game home. Um, I definitely think that there were things that I thought might happen that I pushed on a little too hard, mm. and that would maybe be my biggest failure. One of them being Cinevere, uh, the the wizard from... Uh, the prism from the prism i think uh just because of the, this episode just came out recently having him a second time when you guys never really took the bait the first time um that he he had just become a vestigial character to the story and having him come back a second time i mean it did make the world maybe feel more alive um but also it was clear that he wasn't an important character anymore and i maybe could have put the, something more central to the arc in, in there, place, yeah, yeah, and so I it, it also Turkakul, like that never gets resolved, and I'm also, I don't think that necessarily has to be an end to every story, especially the way we are doing this podcast. It leaves other Space. stories open, yeah. um, but I think the my biggest success was being able to catch like a lot of those um, balls that I was juggling. But the the biggest failure is that I also think that I maybe started with too many to begin with. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think you set up a lot in the world that you had to contend with. And, yeah. You know, it was the type of thing where it's like, also, I think some of the best, right, when you talk about like, uh, we're, we're, we're short fiction versus a novel, like leaving a bunch of that stuff up in the air when it, like, if it doesn't feel unsatisfying in the way that every, it, you know, if we got like a thousand tweets there at the end of this, they're like, Hey, what the hell happened to this guy? This guy was a big bad guy. Uh, I would maybe be like, all right, I guess we got, we should think about following up on this at some point in the near future. But I think we like at the end of the day, I felt very satisfied as a player. And I think the rest of our group did as well because yeah. it did end on that. It ended on a very, uh, the gesture of closing, closing out, finishing something, but knowing that the world that we made that was super alive is going to continue to go forward, right? That we had closed some doors, but there were still plenty open because it wasn't just like, bad guy was the only open door I was like yeah that could happen this could happen like there's going to be a lot of things happening in the city now like because of, like we tried to change things and we you know we even like predict into the future like this will probably happen in this but it's like that was also us just hoping yeah like, whoever takes over and wants to return to this place is going to have a lot of things narratively that they can grasp onto and i think that that you know that's a that's, measure of success so this is nothing that i could have predicted when uh well i mean i guess i could have predicted it but uh didn't um at the time was the was everything that's happening with like the black lives matter movement and police brutality that's happening 
right now was not happening when we recorded the podcast. No. And I guess a success is that listening to it in hindsight after being at protests that get uh, fucking tear gassed and shit. You know, yeah, it, having it happen in the our city in fucking Iowa. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I fucking nailed that, yeah. or we nailed that. I guess that's a big rose for all of us, but yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. I wish we were wrong. Oh yeah, yeah I wish. Obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, but, definitely nailing the authoritarian. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, was, a yeah a game about real things that we genuinely yeah. care about yeah. and feel, and like I I feel like our our views come through pretty strongly through a lot of that game, so. Actively, and I think it also displays each of our interests as well, and or uh, powerful key, like keys, like is a term I want to use, like how we activate some of that stuff, like through history, through societal structure and interest in that, like I think JD and Ryan are, uh, they are passionately interested in the, in like how how regimes come into power versus like. I'm more interested in the personal betrayal and the, you know, the, 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 the spark that set the bomb off, right. As it were. Right. And uh, Nathan, I think, I, th- I think if, if you were to put our, our group in a dynamic, like me and Nathan are definitely like the interpersonal things where, uh, you guys are the more structural. And when it marries together through all four of us, we end up getting a really fucking great narrative, right. A really great narrative that feels both epic in scale, but also personal on the level of, uh, our characters being a part of it and never being the hero. Well, I don't know. You can say they were heroes at certain points, but I think they were just like actionable characters within something that was much bigger than they were. And I think that that's great. Right. You know, too much one way, too much another way. I don't think we strike that balance. And I think that is something that's singularly yeah. like a rose for our table is that we yeah. all have different uh, interests and we fill that out and make it the narrative complete. Uh, JD successes and failures successes and failures the success I really like Yves Salanti yeah uh, absolutely as a character and I felt like his personality was evoked throughout the dimension the as the dimension, as the dimension yeah. the, I, I guess that might be it the dimension as a character I think worked um, yeah which yeah. I was definitely aiming for right like I wanted it to be a strange or uh, esoteric place because high wizardry which is what Ypsilanti is to me should be fucking weird um, and only is curated by these people that are obsessed with their own power it is a palace of a strange strange man and I think that that really worked and I think the final conclusion of you guys finally meeting Ypsilanti in the, in the middle of a ritual gone wrong really concluded that right like this person followed yeah. their own hubris hubris to their potential end um and then and then y'all yeah. you, you brought him back <laughs> which is great and then right because that, that whole game ends with just like fuck off my lawn is literally how that game yeah. ends as he just kicks you out of the dimension <laughs> yep uh and i i think that, that that pulls off really well like um as far as like, you know, touchstones, we've always talked about being a sword and sorcery podcast rather than a traditional Dungeons and Dragons world. We're not a high fantasy world; we're a low fantasy world. Even though we have some really high strangeness, um, and we do have epic things going on or whatever, but they're always kind of 
unknowable and unattainable. And I think that that came across really well. Tower of the Elephant is like my favorite Conan story. If only like parts of it, right? It's like the, that Conan, that, that story starts with Conan meeting a much wiser and better adventurer than him who immediately gets fucking murdered. Like he just dies yeah. super early on in the adventure. And then Conan continues on into this tower where he clearly has no idea what the fuck is going on. But he's a dumb barbarian and he's just trying to thieve his way through life. Um, and, uh, there's just weird shit going on and he's like, well, I don't understand any of this. And then it, it kind of ends and he leaves and it's just like, what the fuck was that place? Um, and I feel like that the, the dimension worked really well that way. But where I missed was I really wanted the architectural layout of that place to matter. <laughs> and I put a lot of time yeah. into it. And then I very quickly realized that it just didn't. That's honestly probably more to do with Dungeon World than anything you did. Maybe. Yes. I don't know, man. I I wanted the I wanted the first puzzle to be you guys figuring out the layout of the dimension. And that ended up not not happening. I like I kind of advanced a couple fronts, like maybe too quickly, or slash I kind of realized that you guys like it wasn't what would have been interesting in the story. And I wish I could have nailed that a little more that maybe i'm not really sure that's something i'm necessarily going to try to do with my next game of like making a game where the map matters in the same way that like i wanted that game to be about traps uh because i don't use them very often and, and traps and puzzles i should say i think there's a space somewhere for maps mattering in story games and I just, that that wasn't it <laughs> yeah, um funny. and it goes back to the earlier conversation of trophy being a good the good middle ground between story gaming and osr yeah but i also don't think that maps matter in trophy i mean i i think that tro i think that maps work better in a game like trophy which has more of an osr yeah yeah maybe than a game like dungeon world yeah and and so i think you can bring a map into trophy without without having the sort of problems that you end up with i mean with a map in dungeon world yeah because it was originally i also you know, it became much more about like the the world around you guys shifting and the dimension being ever changing, which became more interesting. But when I originally laid it out, I literally drew a map on it. It was two spheres and a cylinder, and I don't think I ever really made that express to you guys. But yeah, I literally drew the dimension, and it is it's two spheres and a cylinder, and you guys had to transfer from one sphere to the other. You literally inverted to get there, um, and then you're on the yep. inside of the sphere. And then the the final puzzle is a tower that's that's drawn out on a cylinder. And I it just didn't end up mattering. I was like, well, f- fuck these dumb balls. <laughs> fuck all this shit, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, because we just assumed that everything was right. changing. And it was, yeah. but it also yeah. was played, It just didn't... It didn't end up working. Nathan. Shit. Big wins, big losses. All right, what did I do right? I wanted to give you guys good, big boss battles, and I did that. Yes. I... There's only, I guess, the first two bosses when I'm trying to figure out how to how to really play with the characters that you are. So Lahar's fur was obviously super easy. You guys murked him immediately. Dojal, I had a bit more going on. There was the slime dragon, which was kind of cool. I had like a theme of like souls being regurgitated. And then for some fucking reason, it never occurred to me that you guys would try to jump into him to kill him. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Which is Fun. remarkably stupid on my part, where I have <laughs> I have a, a, a boss whose entire thing is that they eat you, and you're like, well, of course I'm going, of course I'm going to do the adventurer thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be like the noisy cricket or whatever. In, yeah, uh, in we're going to Men in Black, just to get that reference out of the way. Yeah. 
<laughs> Why wouldn't I think that would be the case? Uh, but as the story progressed, I introduced, uh, I gave the, the 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 enemies more more human characters to try to give you something more to engage with, which also had the dual characteristic of, as I mentioned before, making the our increased enemies being more human, which is a, which is compelling, right? So I think I did a good job of making each of these enemies feel different and be big set-piece boss fights. What I messed up on was there was supposed to be an undertone of, as JD mentioned before, a sort of dreamlike unreality that was happening. And so at the very beginning of the game, when you guys meet Krecky, he calls Era Holland Rayla Holland. That wasn't me misspeaking at the time. There's he has a Pythian name. Mm-hmm. And what was supposed to be happening was as the story progressed, you guys are supposed to be slowly finding out that you were negotiating with a Pythian demon who was trying to get Nulsk back. Trying to take Nulsk back to Pythia. Uh so what happened instead was I killed Grieg who was the nexus for this story to be happening. <laughs> That's fine. Nulsk is still here. We can kind of, you know, keep seeding that. There's a part that I cut out of the podcast where Ozier is tasked with the question of remembering how they got to the island. I uh, Specifically, Holland asks Ozier, do you remember how you get here? And Ryan says, well, yes. And I'm like, I guess you do. Um, that's not on you. That was on me for trying to be obtuse and not like really lead you in any kind of way. So I just cut it out. And then Nulsk dies. And so my entire plan gets abandoned. There are good things that came huh. out of this. Uh, there, yes, there are good things, that, good, thing, good things that came out of this. Nam- namely, Nulsk's death is perfect. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the best death that character could have asked for. It made him really sympathetic, and it was one of the better, like, big fights that I had in the game. Also, we had the opportunity to make Ozier into a main character and give Ozier a lot of the pathos that he was sort of lacking being the third wheel in this. So what happened is, you know, you slowly are whittling away. You have a bicycle and then a unicycle that Ozier is is playing the part of now, and, and now he's the main character, and we understand that character better and his philosophies and and all of that yeah dude but i uh i really pooched it <laughs> i i had like this i had i had this big like subtle grand thing that was supposed to be happening underlying what was basically supposed to be a really straightforward story for you guys and uh and then it just kind of it just kind of <laughs> it's all of all of uh, you know the best laid plans and all that which is the the beauty of editing so i can just cut it out you Aside. killed my boy. You killed my boy uh, for your uh, shitty also, story. You uh, didn't even do. Also, <laughs> also, also, yes. Uh, in the first, in the first Dragon's Den, I talked to Zach about how I killed his character in a really pathetic and shitty <laughs> way, and then I go and I kill, and then I go and kill your character in a pathetic and shitty way again. Yeah, second time around. So, I, was, uh, I just listened to that <laughs> one point. That's where I stopped, and I was like, "Oh, this will be a funny follow-up question." Hey, do you feel like you killed my character in a really pathetic and <laughs> shitty way this time? I do. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's another thorn for me. I'll just keep. I'll just keep amassing those. Don't ever play someone you love in. Nathan's I mean, it's game. it still ends up like God, because that, that makes perfect sense as to why Ozir is there as a servant of death, but hasn't been fully formed in, like filled in, because he's just a a, a minion. Uh, he's of death. an idiot. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the story still works because then the story is about like Krecky, which so wait, wait. <laughs> the fuck is Krecky then? Krecky's Pythian? Well, I mean, ah! so in well, also I'm a there, house. there are a bunch of things like Krecky wasn't supposed to be Krecky. That that like kind of like you know you take him and he was supposed to be like a possessed a possessed sword. It, he's a fucking soul trapped in a sword. And you guys are like obviously he's a cyclops like. <laughs> I t- I'll take that on face yeah, we're value. Dumb. I guess. <laughs> Man, that no, but uh, it's still like it's still, and then it's perfect because then socks is still there for vengeance. Um, who's a fairy, actually, right? And then like Ozir's is still yeah, a servant, trying, but it still really works as like actually they were pithy in the whole time. Fuck, that's good. Yeah. So obviously that's not what it is I don't, now. I don't. Right. I don't. What it is now? What I mean, there is still the argument that this is an entire fabrication by Era Holland. It's just not the Pythian thing that I'm talking about, right? Like we can that that can that entire concept can be revisited, right. but but what? It, I mean, it, it is still very much like when we see Ozir again, there'll be the question of like, where were you? And we don't fucking he may have been in the Feyland, which is probably a more reasonable assumption to make. Which is again why Sox was so hell bent on like, vengeance. It's why Grieg would have been was, there because he's manipulated so by Sox. Yeah, it, you guys were <laughs> still on a prob- probably not real place, but it it did the story didn't go the way that I wanted it to, and I and kind of I trimmed I trimmed the more obtuse parts. I just think I think that it's still like looking back on it, it still all works with those things in mind, and so, now it's it it is left open yeah. to interpretation a little bit about what was going did, on, but I don't think that's I don't think that's really a misstepping. Here's a question for you though: Do you think that it would have worked better? Would you have been able to achieve that better had you told us to start out with? I wanted to do a twist, which yeah. which is maybe maybe on me. I also was I was I was half committing when I say this as though it was like a really hard like yeah. decision on my part, right. which it wasn't. I I I was living in two worlds simultaneously. If I were to do this again, I did. And to be fair, I did like signpost you guys at several points, as I'm pointing out now. Where like you yeah. guys, you guys leave in a boat. You guys get there, uh, um, and I did the whole. I don't uh, the you know the you guys was like oh yeah everything turns ex- the exact same color and you get there. Um, you guys had to kill a whole bunch of people to get there. I don't remember you know if you guys remember that, but uh, that happened. I I I did give you guys those kinds of hints and. So I was, you know, I was leaving it up, but I definitely should have told you guys if I really wanted. If you really it, wanted it, if yeah. I really wanted it. So as as is rightfully being pointed out, is it really to say it's a misstep if I was only half committed? Who knows? Yeah. Perhaps my my lack of commit uh, commitment is more the problem. And it, it's more indicative of you know you you're wanting to have your cake and eat it too, yep. and you only got yeah. to have your cake, and you're like, ah, so, oh, this is good. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was a damn good cake. So here's a question for the table. Uh-huh. Do twists twists in like the story or plot work in a game like Dungeon World? This is a very interesting question. Or or do you have to signpost it or like does it have to be a twist in the fiction and like the 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 character knowledge versus player knowledge to really pull off? Because we had Two attempts. One we we knew about, and one we didn't know about. I well, I mean, we didn't really know. We uh, knew that we were 
potentially going to hell, but we didn't know that the, right. the Pari were in line in league that's, with Pythia, so we didn't know either twist. About. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I, so so what I'm saying is like the one twist was supposed to be that the whole thing was to get Nolsk back into hell in Nathan's game. What and, what he's saying about knowledge is like by the end of the story we knew the twist of my right. game, and by the end of oh, Nathan's see, story. Unless we're talking about it yeah, now, yeah, we wouldn't have known. You know, we wouldn't have known. You yeah. know, behind closed doors with beers cracked open. You know, maybe we know. Uh, I mean, I really, uh, I, but uh, I like the surreality, and I, I didn't remember you cutting that out of the out of the podcast because I actually still like the beat because it still worked to me because it's Ryan's own character bleed that he was like, yeah, I know how we got here. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But well, it, I, the only I, the reason I cut it out wasn't because of Ryan's response. The reason I cut it out was because I didn't follow uh, up. Fair, on. fair enough. Yeah. That, and that and that's that's that was me in the future, you know, being like, all right, Clean that's not up, relevant. Yeah. There was a th- there was a character I introduced right before you guys get to Piamir, who uh, the the god of the god of uh, the god of mead, who is in who is uh, hung upside down and encased in honey. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. I remember him. Yeah, I cut him out. Because the scene was bad. First of all, I should get this out of the way. Twists that come from a moment where everybody realizes that it's a twist works perfectly well. That's not what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, Alivar, Alivar suddenly realizing that yes. she was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, huge. And, and Yeah. When everyone goes... When nothing oh, has been planned shit. and it's yeah. just like everybody kind of has that everybody makes eye contact moment. It's like, yes, that is what's happening. That works 100%. Yeah. Um, Do... Pre-planned twists work. I would argue that they are against the principles of Dungeon World. I would agree. Yeah, I think so. And PBTA in general, because if you have a planned twist, you're not playing to find out. And I think we prize ourselves on playing to find out. It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that it can't form the basis for the map that you do draw. It's just you can't necessarily expect yeah. it to happen. And so I think you kind of rolling with the punches I, with the way that the story ended up going. You suddenly it was like, well, this doesn't make any sense anymore. And you abandon it. That's kind of what you have to do. I don't think it's a bad idea to say this is what the characters are seeing. And this is like for your plan for an adventure. And this is what's really going on. Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they won't. Or maybe one of them will die and then it won't matter anymore. <laughs> and it's just going to go in a different direction. I think that's fine. If you would have forced it and railroaded it and be like, well, Nolsk can't die here and you deus ex machina him out of there or something, right? That that would yeah. be against the, the real principle of Dungeon World, I think. Yeah. yeah. If, if I were going to deus ex any machina there, it would have been to save Greek. Like, Nolsk, Nolsk had a good death in, in like jumping down into the, into the pit and like fighting all those... And just getting in there—that was—that was a deadly doing, doing the thing that he was Greek, literally Gr- bred to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Greek, yeah. Greek was climbing a wall. <laughs> I made a bad choice, and I'm sorry. That does happen. Like uh, that. I will that hindsight to take like, your apologies. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done damage there, because because he died. I should I well, should have done it something happens else. All the, it, or, it, yeah. 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 Well, uh, to be fair, there is, and it's in the it's in the the stinger uh, of me. Hey, so you know what's gonna happen here, right? Oh, I don't. I don't so think it was. Like, I mean, I, it was. I'm, I'm ch- I don't think it was like. I'm not blaming I'm, you for it. I just know in as a DM in hindsight, no, a lot of times I'll be like, "Oh, I killed you. Didn't mean to shoot." <laughs> yep. Or, yeah. Or it, was, yeah. It, was, it was like the whole situation up to that. I probably didn't need to do damage. I didn't need to. I. I think we've talked about this off air, Zach. Yeah, we have. Uh, 
the if you listen to the situation where I say, this is what's happening, this is what you have to do, I tell Zach what to do. And, and for that matter, what it is, is a completely plot irrelevant thing. It's, there's no, there, even the, even the fucking risk isn't there. Like, you're already on the wall. You're already in open area. You just have to get up there. Why would I not just let you climb up there and then get there and see Igthot and then and die up there? Yeah, That's die fine. at the hands of Igthot. That would have been, been good and fine. You know, not ideal, still, but way more interesting. If there's, if the that's the thing, it's, it's just uh, a, to, a total misstep on my part of like being like, nope, you got to roll one more time. Yeah, that I I I think we all come into those situations as well, based upon like circumstance more than anything. Like, oh, we're here. I'm just gonna have them roll one more time, and it can be harmless. Blah blah blah, and then it becomes more harmful as a person who has done that to someone else to JD. Um, I think that shit happens, you know, where you're just like, I just want to be true to the moment. And, you know, also it's like maybe before that, like people were doing really well and then, oh shit, you weren't supposed to roll an eight. Like you're dead. Fuck. All right. Like, sorry. Right. You know, I mean, I also think that's just being to some extent honest with our brand. Like you're never going to be, you never gonna have to make a hundred percent correct decisions. No. Absolutely and, and that goes player or dm yes like, i had a definite conscious like uh, thought the entire game of the dimension where i was like well i tpk'd y'all last time i'm gonna try not to just do damage like i'm gonna try not to fuck you up too quickly yeah. regardless of the of the uh, yeah you exactly. know the six minus results know, listening that was also the point of the dimension too though yeah yeah like, true yeah to be like to be fair From that the was the that yeah. was the ethos true but yeah. it's like you know i, I don't want you to fight when you yeah. fell out of the donut hallway and you like mess your arm up. I didn't really break your arm or anything. I was like, hey, maybe just think about the fact that your arm hurts. <laughs> like, wasn't it? Like, well, yeah. I could have I exactly. done something more there. But um, I mean, it ended up working out because I cut your arm off anyway. Like I said, nobody's going to make 100% of the correct yeah. calls. But also, we have people fucking just die doing dumb stuff. And and when that happens, like, was it the best way that Greg could have died? No. no. But is the way that heroes die in the real world? always the way that they should die absolutely not yeah like most of uh, us aren't rasputin it, it also right exactly yeah, yeah uh i mean not to say that rasputin was a hero but I'm he, was, he was, wasn't the villain of the story I'm, so well i'm just talking <laughs> about i'm pretty sure i've yeah. seen anastasia yeah. and i'm pretty sure he's the villain so <laughs> i don't know if you're i don't know wow. if your facts are correct ryan <laughs> <laughs> oh, i've seen excuse the, I've me seen old hot takes waddell coming uh, i've seen the documentary film <laughs> anastasia <laughs> um yeah that fucking imp the comedic relief of history <laughs> um, but what i am gonna, what i am gonna say I'll, I'll bring this back to a serious moment about our brand about uh people dying is we may make missteps uh, multiple times about one player and characters. <laughs> this is almost as, it's almost uh, as it's much a, on you. It's some it's something yeah. when we you get definitely together. you uh, definitely did that, that to me too. So <laughs> like you said, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, what I, what I am saying though is when they die, when someone hits zero health, like tone changes. Ever like I think what's great about our play group and what I would always suggest is having a reverence. For when someone is passing after they've passed no matter what happened how they got there they're dead now we're gonna take a break like the last bad R ttrpg advice take a small break gm think about what you want to do for them players come back have a reverent moment we have never had anyone die and it's like huh, you're at the fun house no 
if if that please no one ever play a character where that is their black gates hey describe your black gates fucking ronald mcdonald (laughs) is sitting underneath the golden arches of death (laughs) yeah that i think like the way in which we uh ceremoniously sanctify like sanctify death like give it give it give everyone their property when brindis dies the episode literally just stops if i'm remembering correctly like you guys just kill the kill gashana yeah uh and that's it yeah like we we don't even do the black gates that that that, uh, yeah and there's literal tears when we come back the next week yeah. to do the Black Gates. Yeah. I think you're right. Like you're you're indicating towards something that's very important, which is the denouement after someone dies is like real. Oh yeah, you feel the. We're always we're always very yeah. present for those Almost. roles, and it's always told a good story, yeah. whether they died or lived, every single yeah. time. Yeah. Hey Zach, uh, hits and misses. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go quick. Wrap this up. What? No, take no, your time. Take your right. time. What uh, the fuck? This episode's gonna be as long as you, we want it to be. Honestly, I feel like I got some real juice out of you guys as players with characters, uh, which is always one of my favorite things with NPCs, with uh, things you have to engage with, like the arch, like um, your time at the um, theater. Um, and even like, I think I, I did a decent job with shit bags this time. Like, I don't like NG. Yeah. I felt like NG was great and you guys interacted with him on a level that was consummate with how you felt about him. And then the arc, the arc of NG was, I don't know. It was really, really fun. I can't wait for the spinoff series. NG and Kaz. We could be (laughs) gods. Well, that's right. We didn't fucking kill NG. No. Um, no, it's almost as though it's almost as though murdering somebody doesn't solve all your problems. <laughs> hey, in the case of NG, uh, it would have solved NG. I, I think it would have solved, <laughs> solved, solved a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, things I I failed at. I my biggest failure to me as a as a GM and what I'm going to work on a little bit is being a little bit more present in the moment, especially near the end of an arc. Um, I feel like I have fun and I want to close it out. And I the, the first time I was really anxious and I just wanted to get to the end. I wanted it to be done to say that it was finished. And that didn't like there were some rocky bits, but the first series like worked out. Okay. The second series, um, I think by the end of it, it's like, we are marching towards this thing and this is going to happen. And I would like to have taken a little bit more time with each of you to just like give you guys a little bit more space. And I think maybe after this is edited and I listen back to it, it'll be interesting to see how you guys feel at the end of that. But it does feel like I, I, I swept you away again into the, into the world where it was like, we got to get the fuck out of here and go on to the next adventure. And I like, that's my penchant of like wanting to move forward and through things. And also, uh, this will lead into the next thing. I think, uh, you know, moving on, uh, into the next realm. I wish I would have just like maybe given you guys another minute, maybe in back in hell in Pythia, given a little bit more space to just breathe would have been nice when we were going through the church and stuff like that. There was looking back now, I was like, I wanted just like a couple more minutes to like give you guys a little bit more space to, I don't know, just be, I felt, I felt like often I was trying to like push you through to the next thing. And I know, I think it's because I'm coming off of 
playing Ryan's game before mine, which had such a great breadth of like space for us to develop and think about. And like, I had this anxiety of like feeling like I was railroading you guys more. And I wish I could have given you guys some space. I, I think that Pythia felt like it had the correct amount of pressure. Like you don't want to spend a ton of time in hell. Uh, and I know that all of our characters felt that way. Yeah. And, I also think that some of the best character interaction happens because of that feeling of pressure in Pythia. Mm. Um, I mean, some of that also has to do with us like becoming more comfortable playing the characters we're playing. But uh, I mean, some of my favorite beats are because we know that the end is coming up. I knew that Bale was going to ki- get himself killed almost as soon as we got into hell. I was like, oh, Bale's not leaving this place. Yeah. Especially after the arch, I knew... To an to an earlier point, and you have had these moments where you're you're kind of self criticizing, and I don't want you to feel like these criticisms toward yourself are totally unjust. Which is to say, like, I think we all just feel that like you're being a little hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when speaking of like at the end of the game, you just whisked us off. There, uh, w- that Wolfenstein game that JD and I played, and JD is like, just wait till you get to the part, and I was like, oh, it's when you get to the moon. And it's like, yeah, that really brought me back into the game. It was like, well, me too, but then the game doesn't end after you get off the moon. You took us to hell, and then the game ends. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, uh, There wasn't anything after going to hell that was going to, you know, like, we went to hell. Yeah. The game should yeah. end after you get, you literally go through hell. Jam a, let's yeah. jam a quick side note. Who was your favorite that you played? The, uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it in my best Charlie Rose. Uh, who who were was the favorite character that you played this season out of the ones? Definitely Bale. Um, yeah. I, I obviously I had the most bleed with Bale. Well, maybe not obviously if you're a listener to the podcast, but I did. I had a ton of bleed with Bale. Just like things that were going on in my life personally at the time, and just the kind of person I am. Uh, Bale's the character that I've wanted to play for a long time and haven't, and then it just kind of all came out. Uh, yeah. JD, who who'd you love inhabiting? You had some good ones. Yeah, you had a you had a you, yeah. had, a, you had a good cycle. Um, I mean, I got to play Nolus, but I'm not gonna count that just because he was a character from another cycle. So he's yeah, out. that's fair. Returning character. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. I'm not gonna say but even Greek, that. Even like that being like, said, like socks is pretty fun. Um, it might. <sighs> Man, it's so hard to like dissociate them from their games too. It might be Ukaz. Um, it really gave me an excuse just to be a brat, and that was a lot of fun. I think uh, it helped I, that it was I like a brat had... and his two dads. Um, I think that dynamic like worked really well. <laughs> yep. Two men and a baby, or whatever. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Ukaz was really fun just to play this like punk rocker in our world. It was cool. Exactly. I I think that was every again. Ukaz was just a delight to engage with as a GM. Like I I would agree. If you were like that's my favorite, I'd be like, yeah, probably I mean, I guess I did say, yeah, that's mine too. <laughs> Nathan, uh make a bold prediction here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's is Brennus. I love fucking playing Brennus. Brennus, I I said at the beginning of the game like I got to play a dirtbag again and that's my favorite thing to do. But then he's a dirtbag, he became the central part of a story. I got to do a voice that I really like doing. Also a dirtbag who is the moral center. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta have everything. Yeah, y'all, y'all, I get, it, I got it from the front and the back. It was a fucking great time. Yeah. Um, totally. 
I I love Brendis. He got to be he got to be irreverent. He got to be emotionally uh, vulnerable. He got to be serious. Um, he got he got to get hurt. He got to get he got he was allowed the ladder alley to fuck people up. I got I literally had the opportunity to do every single thing you want to do with a dungeon world character, and he even died. It was <laughs> it was perfect. I should tell y'all how we think about Dungeon World. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see this character's black gates. <laughs> uh, act- I do actually think that is like the... It's the best the move sh- in Dungeon World. Well, it's sure, also like the, yeah. the sugar crystal at the end oh, of it yeah. all. Right, you're like, oh, we get to see the black gate. Yeah, kill me, kill me. And I don't have to worry about him ever again. That's true. Yeah. Zach? Zach? Zach, what character did you think Arello played best? Uh, the flesh carver or the wood carver, I would say once he became his own and became the flesh carver. We were really we were really in our zone. Uh, Arello was a fucking delight to play. Um, someone who... Uh, it was a type of thing where I got to play a character at 100% all the time, and that's actually something I love. I love I love being a, a it played into my nature uh this ge- the game did of like playing a fucking theater kid right like I I got a minor in theater in undergraduate school like playing it up playing for the crowd being a fan of pro wrestling and like in the episode that I'm editing right now you literally cut three promos like they're just they're just like- straight up promos <laughs> <laughs> Like that's all I want. Like that's all I wanted. Literally, to do there's in a life. there's a comment that Nathan I, that I I'm pretty sure I've left it in, and I probably will leave it in. Where Nathan's like, you you mentioned like you you cut a promo, and you're like, here the great city of Jataka, and Nathan's like, take your momentum. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that. It was so fun to play him, uh, and it was so fun to transition from yeah the big bodacious flesh carver to like a guy who was like. Hey man, your girl's pregnant. Like you should think about your future. You know, <laughs> to but, like the Uncle Ben. But dare I say, a, and and a character who did not have the mo- emotional intelligence to really say the feelings that he had, Constantly. which was also, yeah. which also Arella was a great barbarian. Let's hit. Let's hit one more uh, side question, JD, that I really liked of yours, which was, what did you have a favorite single session? I'm gonna go first because I'm gonna steal this one. Whoa! Yeah, All I, right. Yeah, I'm I'm stealing this. We're, gonna, we're going in, we're going in reverse order. Great. Yeah, when Arello dances with the queen is I'm stealing that because we just edited it. Yeah. When Arello dances with the queen, it's the fucking funniest shit. And not in funny in the kind of way where we're not taking the world seriously, funny in the kind of way where a bunch of it's slobs versus snobs. The the underclass gets invited to a high class party and we have to figure out how to deal with it. Yep. And two of them are taking it seriously and Arello is going to dance with the queen. And it was just just so much fun. We had Magnus, whom we already gave a, a, a big mention to, as like a, a great NPC. You had plot being developed in in terms of like the larger clocks, but also on the character level. You had uh Vi stress eating food which I love describing food, and I loved the food that we described in Jataka with the, the kind of weird, like, uh, simultaneous, like, elvish and human, uh, Mediterranean human uh, collaboration. Uh, More important than understanding borders of countries and the map on which we draw. Uh, yes, we, the map uh, that we have. No, yeah, but like, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm throwing that to the wind because more importantly, we, we made we made a universal drug that 
is 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 trafficked throughout the, all of these city states, which I think is more enlivening trade, to our world. Also, trade routes are more important. Yeah, than, I mean, yeah, maps. As uh, I hate I hate to bring in the the horrid subject of history to all of this, but uh, there's a there's a word for that in history. It's syncretism. Um, like when, when cultures brush up against each other and they transfer over mm. and it happens all the time and nobody ever talks about it. Um, huh. especially in ancient history, but also now because people like to think of themselves as like, we're Americans and it's like, yeah. And we have fucking Tex-Mex food that everybody loves. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, racist, um, and nationalists <laughs> you suck. JD, any, any episodes that particularly stuck out to you? Maybe it's a cop out, whatever, but uh, final final episode of the dimension like final session yeah. of the dimension it just was perfect was really, really the fight was fucking awesome i'm in love with those the bad guys i was sending after you the whole time and finally like meeting each other face to face was really like that front i was very satisfied with because we kept visiting it so you guys knew it was happening the whole game yep and i and i knew you know that we were going to get there it's just like when those story beats were happening uh, you know we weren't always sure but we would always go back and visit them and then all of a sudden like all right they're still coming they're getting closer and then that big conclusion meanwhile our our wizard is off in another realm talking to the you know the the owner of the house or whatever it's just like that dual struggle of of you trying to deal with a, a weird esoteric weirdo and then you guys actually having a, a life or death fight at the same time just really good uh, I was well, really, really satisfied with it. It you did a really good job of cranking the tension up the whole game to where we knew that that was how it had to end, and and then when it happens, one it's was so edge of our seat because like the the one guy could cancel cancel magic and is so well, fucking good. Gashana died three times. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect. Yeah. Yes, literally, you rolled black gates three <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. times, and it's like the story that it ends up telling is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's very very good yeah uh right guy the the final fight against air holland because it, it had the like knockdown drag out fight that ozir wanted um and not that, that like you know not that that wasn't that crecky and socks didn't participate but you know the the character who'd been there the whole time was just like the he'd lost his arm to this motherfucker he the whole his whole thing was like i'm just gonna beat the shit out of this guy yeah. And he got to do that, but then also the extremely satisfying, quiet scene of the sword stabbing into the handle of the axe, and it being between these two cyclopses, cyclope or whatever, cyclope, um, uh, cyclops, cyclops, um, just talking, and Krecky just destroying the soul of Air Holland, like. So good. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite endings of a like a series on the podcast, actually. My favorite uh, session was obviously the GMless session in our game oh, where we went to my house. It was sweet as hell. <laughs> Very fun arguing with my brother and my <laughs> shitty family. I had so much fun. It was just. It was just like. Those GMless games were like uh, I guess my favorite session were in in total the GMless games where we just roved around and we did whatever we want and one of my favorite things is that the tension between like asking for permission to do something and also being someone who could cold hold permission it was like the thing where it's like uh, sorry listener at home like yes you have to have a group who wants to do that and it's 
fucking awesome. It's super fun, and it it's it's some kind of the kind of play experience you really can't get anywhere else. There is something to be said for the fact that Ryan mimicked your voice perfectly. It was perfect. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> I I don't even know if I have advice on that, but if you have to play somebody's sibling, just do the vo- whatever voice yeah, they're doing. Do your shitty like, always, impression. Always do the, your shittiest impression of how they talk. Well, I mean, and if you do a bad job, then you're their annoying little brother. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Right. Like. Wait, it's like you're just close enough to piss me off. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's beautiful, right? Because yeah, yeah. I mean, especially in a uh, only sound medium, yeah. Like, exactly. cool. I don't, I don't even have to nail it. I just have to get close enough that people are like, "Oh, cool." I you're, hate this. Yeah, guy. yeah. You this. got. I hated him, but I hate you more. <laughs> yeah, you got way really closer. Good. Yeah, it was really close. It, it really like while I was editing that, I was like, "Fuck, that's good." JD, you had a note, and I also had a note. So I'm gonna kind of combine these present them both at the same time you wanted to make a note about no tpks this season fucking bullshit talk about you want to talk about that i also had a one that was like as both player and gm have you noticed a transformation in the play group any any uh evolutions you've noticed as uh like how we play together what we do how we engage with tpks or how we engage with death and uh, things of that nature because I, I i do think we've actually not evolved just transformed how uh we want to present that stuff and i think it's what i want to tie it to is how we're telling our story but I'm, I'm using big scare quotes uh for the audio listeners like i it's the type of thing where i think tpks can still be awesome and the threat of them is immediate and important, but like storytelling vantage point has really transformed a little bit. And especially, all right, let's just tie this into sneak peeks about cycle three as well. So I'll, I'll bring in what you're thinking about for cycle three. So it's kind of three questions at once um, because like looking forward, looking back and where, where we kind of sat here at the end of this. You know, do you feel like we're transforming? Are there different things you want to hit? Uh, and feel free to give us like ideas about what you want going forward. Because I think we can just wrap all three of those up. I feel like we're going to talk about them anyways. I don't think our well, rather I do think our playgroup has changed quite a bit. I think a, we've sort of hit on the idea that doing really horrible things to people that aren't death is m- more interesting, mm-hmm. or or like surviving can be harder than dying yeah looking forward um i know that like there's probably characters that are going to come back scarred because of what they they went through and that's more interesting than having like uh having tbks really sets the tone for the world as a dangerous place that doesn't really care about its heroes that as we move forward having these characters who've survived these horrible uncaring events that uh, now have to deal with what they went through is way more interesting and from a like a world building and character building perspective than like uh, I say this only because I'm pretty sure Amar is coming back yeah uh, like it had Amar died at the end that's a less interesting story now than Amar getting getting what he wants and now he has to deal with it yeah. so uh, yeah I mean I still feel like having the tpa set the tone for this game where we're like this is always a possibility on the table um is good 
Uh, I will say, I feel like the one that was really oppressive in that in that feeling was Nathan's game because we lost two of the characters in that game, and the game just kept trudging on, um, and not in a bad way. Like it was, it was still a really satisfying continuation, and the kind of seamless characters, uh, seamless character switches that we were able to do, um, made it work. So it wasn't a big deal, you know. And then having kind of the opposite of that, where an emotional character death at the end of a game is also really satisfying. Um, but I do think you're right, Ryan, in that we have more characters from this series or from this cycle now that we want to see back that we will see back. I think, um, everyone's kind of feeling that way eventually. Um, and that's cool. Like we've built up enough of the stock of characters, including from the first cycle that we want to get back to, um, and I'm really excited to get there. It's one of the advantages of the anthology style play. It's that all we available do. to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think the big shift is we've shifted a lot more away from, and this is a, this is a stylistic shift. This is a stylistic shift in the chimera as a whole. Um, really is that when it was first founded, we played extremely tight yeah. games. Um, they were very quick turnaround adventures, like four sessions maximum. Um, and that was, out of necessity where we knew that it was difficult for continuing campaigns to get together. So instead we just played a lot of games and then they were short. We could get a group to three weeks, to, you know, yeah. two to f- yeah. two to four weeks or something. Right. And then we can move on. Um, and I think cycle one feels that yeah. way a little bit. They're tighter games. They're shorter games. We like keep them more to the point. And the big shift in cycle two was the transition away from that to saying, Hey, we do this every week. We got yep. nowhere to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're all best friends who like hanging out with each other. And we're always the same role players. We're very comfortable I, with each other, you know, which we always were, but every, every game that we used to play had a different dynamic. And it kind of felt that way in cycle one where we're like, let's do the thing. Let's yeah. do the adventure. Well, um, and in this game, we were like, I don't know. I'll take your time. Do you guys have a scene you want to do here? Like, let's sit with these characters for a while. And so I think to that point, like it's the shift to more character focused stories. Um, even though there's still the, the anthology style storytelling, the shorter style stories, we're not doing full campaigns. We have characters for a while and then we leave them and maybe are going to revisit some. Um, I think that's the big like shift that I feel from cycle one to cycle two. And that's purely a logistical issue is like we're now used to this and we're able to tell these longer story games because we all know yeah. that we're going to be here i think it's also week. a thing where it's like we want to get back to it like none of us feel the urge to just like push things off it's like oh shit we could do that like that sounds super ing- like i want to get back to omar's story i want to get back to this you know we're listeners at home we also like the characters we play yeah yeah I, well I mean, I want Nathan to have a chance to talk, but I was going to say, to build off of that, like, by the end of my game, I knew what you wanted to do for yours, and I was so fucking pumped to get to your game that I was like, yeah, I'm just ready to be done with this. Like, cool. Like, we're at the end. Excellent. Like, I I, I knew what character I was going to play, and I was like, oh, I'm so fucking excited. Yeah. We 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 all get high off our own supply yeah, in the same definitely. way that listeners do. Right. Nathan, go ahead. All right. So, I mean, while... while all of the the things saying our our play culture has changed is entirely true. We're more we're more open to doing a longer campaign and and spending more time with our characters. We spend a lot more time just in character in these games. This is all true. 
the fact that we didn't TPK any any of the games is strictly up to luck. Uh, Gashana, <laughs> Gashana dying three times and getting a 12 Pretty plus much. was a fucking stroke of luck. And if Gashana hadn't come, you know, then oh, Rao and Omid would have just died. That was just going to happen. It, it was, that was luck. I killed two characters in my game, which is one shy of a TPK, and I'm pretty sure Ozir got really low. So, again... Oh, yeah, he's definitely almost dead. I think you got to one HP once. Maybe, I want to say three, maybe? Point being, incredibly close to a TPK. In in Zack's game, we went to hell. Uh, if if Bale or... Doesn't count. That doesn't count. If, 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 if Bale had died earlier or any of us had died earlier on in the campaign, again, I think I think Anep got to in the single digits right. earlier in the campaign, then the rest of it would have gone way worse. I think the threat of, of death in the TPK is still very real. I think we just got off light is perhaps the word. Um I don't uh, I don't disagree with any of the things that have been put forward as far as like changes in our play culture but as in in terms of like the actual the teeth have not been removed from, from no, this oh, I, don't, definitely. I don't think so at all like if you guys fuck up too many rolls like shit's coming for you we all we all believe in that right yeah. like also yeah I uh we just did the I just edited the um big gladiator fight the final gladiator oh, shit. fight yeah, yeah. Uh, for Ryan's game and we rolled so well, and if we wouldn't have, those dudes dished out we so much damage, dead. like yeah. we would have been fucked. Yeah. Oh yeah, because uh, uh, Brenda <laughs> and there was a there, fight dude. right after that that there was. I didn't care if you guys were all down to one HP. I, I had in my notes like this happens no matter what. Like if he kills them all, that's just the end of yeah. the game. This is just yeah. this. This was Goro coming right. out of the top of the fucking yeah. uh, top of the screen, stomping yeah. on us. I think yep. I made that joke in the in the episode too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was much more soft on people in hell. And I knew that I was being that way, but also I really enjoyed having y'all experience hell in the way of the clerics, uh, in the way of strangeness, experiencing your own lives and death. Um, Pythia, as we have set out, is a fucking hellscape. What I brought was the Church of Pythia, the singular obelisk uh, of existence. And therefore, it was always going to be a little bit more strange and uh, less like, right? Like, I imagine outside of the walls. Remember, I, I don't know if you guys remember this. You're like, we look for a window. I was like, there's no fucking window. Are you kidding me? This is a bricked off enclave. You got in through a portal. Like, you don't, you don't go. They don't go to church. They worship outside of it like Mecca. Right, like it doesn't. This is this is the this is a place where the holy are inside and the unholy are outside. That's what I that's what I wanted to experience within within hell itself and see how that goes going forward into the future. Are there aspects of the world, characters, concepts, or locations you would like to return to in the future? Yeah, this is mildly selfish because it was from my last game, but I eventually would love to return to what happens with Turkakul because that that thread is just like fucking blowing in the wind. I, I also just like what happens in Jataka. Like we kind of imply that uh some sort of peace is brokered between humans and elves. Um the the statue gets replaced with Brendis in the arena like changes do happen. Uh and seeing what that looks like in the future 
Uh, I would also just like to put this out there. I would like to not be the one that runs that game because I would like to have somebody else's like handprints in Jataka because I've run every game that's taken place there. Yeah. So, you know, just like kind of passing off those uh, like a location that you've like, oh yeah, I've done most of the stuff here and seeing what somebody else does with that would be interesting. I got a bunch. There's a bunch of seeds that I want to see fruit from i i want to know what happens with viatrix and arello i want to know what happens with omid and rao i think the big like setting thing that is implied that i'm interested in is the attempt for like the death worshippers to take back paru like did not work so now we have paru which is a city state that that is fully aligned with pythia and so we have we have basically a nation state now that their church is space hell and they're under its influence and what that means like that means that our our canonical canonical demons like have a foothold on our setting now like a permanent one or at least you know not a permanent one but a one that doesn't require the kind of um backdoor portaling that they used to require to get in and i'm curious as to i'm curious as to what effect that's going to have uh on things yeah i want to know what that fucking demon was that showed up at the end of your first game zach where where's that uh off tall <laughs> that wasn't from this cycle i know it wasn't no no not not off tall there was a fucking demon yeah that the, just oh, called i thought that, that was that crawl. yeah that was like that was the final. That was the last. Yeah, that was, yeah. That, was that, the that guy. Okay. That guy's right. just a fucking demon. I uh, yeah. That's a fair question to ask. Just 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 put it out there. Just want to see that. Uh, Ronger Com. I want to see. I want to see what Ronger Com <laughs> looks like. <laughs> yep. Uh. Uh. I want to. I want to interact more with the prism. We, uh. We that has been. Uh, again. I. Uh. We've talked about all the things that aren't like active plans for games, and so now I'm just saying. Uh, I also I want to see okay I I'll I'll come in for my last thing and then I'll turn it into the season 3 predictions. I would like to see a little bit more of the dwarven war culture outside of Rongkom, the uh the fjords the fjords that are uh, uh a big part of our world. Speaking of that, let's go to the last question of the night. Uh, what we're going to be doing in cycle three, and I'm going to start in reverse order. See how I did Ooh. that? Uh, my next season, which you all can forget about now, but I will tell you, uh, I have planned for the gang to march across with the Tusk of Sorrow towards the fjords. So we are talking about the return of Sanagar and Amar and the Tusk of Sorrow as they make their way towards the northern fjords. I'm very excited about this, and it's a world that I want to explore, and also, more importantly, it is a style of gameplay that I want to explore. Um, the caravan-esque, the marching an army across the fuck, like, across the continent. That's crazy like every time that's happened most of it just the army just dies and dwindles there right like i guess i'm thinking of the french marching uh 
marching across the mountains in fucking saddled. That was what I was gonna bring up. Yeah, saddled donkey boy like uh, Napoleon. Napoleon, thank you. Marching into Russia. <laughs> yeah, across across the mountains where it's like he right. The painting is of him on a noble horse, and it's like man, that dude was riding on a don- riding on a donkey, and everything was dying. It's fine. Well, he might have had a horse, but nobody else did. <laughs> that guy had a donkey, too. Let's not kid ourselves. Anyways, yeah. My hope is to have the Tusk of Sorrow march across the land. It's going to be really sweet. I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited to have Omar and Sanagar back, and then also to see their interactions with uh, a lot of things we haven't seen. So, you know, I- I'm I'm very interested. And then also, obviously, J.D., We'll we'll have a spot at the table as well, and that'll be pretty hot. Nateen. Uh I'm gonna do some stuff with the prism, as as that that character that Ryan brought up before that he thought he was pushing a little bit too hard. I thought he was just seeding something for somebody to to bring up later. We're gonna do some things a little bit more social and, and a little bit more uh, technologically is not the right word, advanced. That's because it's a community of wizards, so kind of you know similarly the damage doing another all wizard game i see what's going yeah, on maybe here. i haven't decided yet jd what are you thinking for cycle three as you are the first uh, one to- yeah i will i will be the first one i know exactly what i'm doing um i have been fucking just mainlining old school death metal albums uh so i'm going to do a dungeon crawl ass dungeon crawl um that is literally inspired by old school death metal album covers um, just straight up. That's my goal. I'm doing the exact opposite of that I mentioned in, in a lot of ways. Like I'm just going old school on this next one. Um, and it's also going to delve a little bit more into history of our setting, which we haven't really done a lot of. Um, so it'll deal a little bit with that. Sick. But mostly it'll be metal as fuck. Right. We're going to see some Roger come going to be uh, a lot of undead shit. Very heavily inspired by uh, Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness. A lot of a lot of zombie dwarves. Hi, I'm Zach, and this is the Dragon's Den. We are following up on the first part, Dragon's Den Part 1, so I hope you heard some really cool and or weird music that transitioned to this a year later. That's on you. I'm not writing shit for this. I'm going to just use the noise that you just made as a transition. You're going to just go, and that's going to be it. Anyways, you're welcome for that beautiful music that I just made with my mouth face. Anyways, we're following up. All of the episodes uh, for my series have been put out, and this is mostly just a purge of all the sins that I committed so that I can finally be free of the homunculus, the demon that has shackled me, the demon you might be super familiar with, the one that destroyed my editing tapes. One cannot go to Pythia and not have something left behind to that effect thank you listeners for bearing with me through what inevitably will be a tumultuous experience i know and you know that we lost a fair bit of cool and creative interactions between our players and i wish it was all there but pythia takes you you guys know uh hopefully now 
sticking with us for this many years that Pythia always takes. And for my last series, it decided to chomp up my my recordings. It was sad. Uh, we were all a little bit disheartened, and it definitely weighed heavy on me, made me get a week behind just because I wasn't dealing with it super well. But I thank you. Uh, your positive feedback uh, for the series, uh, myself, and the characters who came alive in that, Ukaz, Onep, and that other guy, they were all super... Im- <laughs> Got him! <laughs> Got him! <laughs> Burned him! And Bale, all being important members, all being able to tell their story you know i've 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 got i had the pleasure of uh talking to a few local people who listen to this and i i I was happy because i felt like we actually got some real good characterizations out the mirror episode being one that really stood out in my mind as an episode that i think i would like point anyone to as a direction where it's like this is exactly what i want personally as a gm to get out of any any game like this is all I want. Like is just to, you know, let let well developed characters explore their most inert and primal urges and needs and hopes, and take that away from them. That was fucking great. I had such I had such fun with this series, and uh, though we didn't get every aspect of it, hopefully the thrust of what I did comes across to you. Uh, and I appreciate you guys coming on the imagination journey with me would any of the other three of you like to add anything to my long monologue i i do want to say that so this hopefully i get this out this week um that we did learn some things from that experience and it was applied to the most recent episode of the veil that we just had which is why ryan sounds all funky is because i had to use an alternate recording um because that was the first time that we recorded three places as opposed yeah. to our the, what we had been doing before, which was two. So at the very least, we have prepared in different ways, which you will hear hopefully not too often, but, well, you know, it's there because we can use it. Uh, I just wanted to say that, Zach, you did a t- phenomenal job editing, so you, I don't think you should need to feel like there's, you know, any weight on your shoulders over all that. I think it came out great, so... I mean, technical issues happen. They've happened before. Obviously, we've dealt with them, especially because we are now recording in three different places on three different setups and everything else, whatever. We've learned from it. We're going to continue to improve, and hopefully we don't have issues. Uh, I'm hopeful that my next series is all good. We'll find out. I don't know. Whatever. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think think we ended up at the end of the day having... Like going forward, we came into this and we definitely like doubled down. Like, all right, we've really got to think about this. And you guys at home have probably seen some market like recording adjustments of life just from the seasides. Like, all the seasides that you're seeing right now were recorded well after my series. So, anyways, moving forward, as we've talked about already, uh, bringing things into the realm that you have all probably become more accustomed to. The seasides. What are our hopes? What are our dreams going forward? Hopefully you're hearing this next week. Um, we'll start over with you, Ryan, what you've got on the docket. I guess what you've already got cooking in the oven. 
And uh, we'll make our way around the room. We'll go Ryan, JD, and then Nathan, and then myself. Um, yeah. Just tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that. And listeners, just so you know, the Seasides are probably going to become a little bit more of a regular thing in the Chimera cast oeuvre. Uh, that was... That's not how you say that, that word. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Arvyar. That was closer. Ardvark. In the Chimera cast, Ardvark. That's what it was. It's it's the fifth head of the Chimera, the Ardvark. The Ardvark. And it just goes... It just literally goes... It's just it's just a tongue sticking out of its armpit. Yeah. First off, tongue pit. Write it down. Tongue I want to be a tongue pit. Oh, wait. Good Damn band it, Star name. Wars. Yeah. Really good tongue band pit. name. Tongue yeah. pit's real good. Yeah, that's real good. Thank you for that. And second <laughs> off, Seasides will become a more regular aspect of the Chimera in general. It's something we've been slowly inching towards as we've moved to expand what we're doing in the, wor- in the world of RPG games. And I think like... We, uh, and I'll try not to speak for everyone, uh, so anyone feel free to interject, but I feel like each of us want to engage with different systems, uh, more and or less complicated systems, and just, you know, engage with tabletop RPGs as a whole. You know, we were, we were never like, we were never married to the system of Dungeon World in the way we were like, this is the perfect system. It was the perfect system for what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring across sword and sandal, like low to the earth, low magic, and grow it naturally through what we were doing. That system allowed us to do that. And I th- think it's just the thing where we're all finally like all right cool our comfortability with that is growing our ability to edit is growing and let's see what else and what other fun we can have i think it um, it, it yeah. is important to note and um it's important to note that when we really started or for a long stretch of the chimera when we were playing games we weren't just playing fantasy rpg stuff i mean we were playing like yeah two to five games a week of different systems, different people running games, different groups of people, some long form, some really short form. And I think the desire to do more seasides comes from the fact that we used to just play like, okay, you know, next month. Every night. Yeah. Next month we're going to play whatever this new game is that I just read. That's really cool. And we haven't been able to do that as much since we've been spread out. And since, you know, it's not, you know we don't we don't have as like a consistent of a core group anymore or whatever other than ourselves and each other and so i think doing more seasides and putting them out there that's it's just our return to form is actually what it is is trying to get back into what we're comfortable with which is like we have our like main series thing we're doing the fantasy thing which is really more of an exploration of anthology style world building and storytelling and then we also just want to play other systems because there's a bunch of really good games out there that have been coming out that we haven't been able to play uh, and that we want to catch up on a little bit, I think. Yeah, it's a weird conversation to say, like, uh, Dungeon World ha- and the system, and uh, more more important than the system, the world, had become, like, comfort food, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually you're like, I don't want to fucking eat mashed potatoes and, and chicken fried steak, like... 
I want to do something a little bit different and challenge my palate in this metaphor uh, with cool, new, and interesting things like we used to. You know, as as JD said, we were we were legitimately jamming like five is a stretch we did that a couple times but like very consistently we were playing within three to four different systems throughout any given month if we were just doing a one shot to see what was going on whatever we were playing you know this and that it was kind of fantastic so uh, with that let's transition over to ryan ryan you've got some seasides in the canon what's going on tell us about it yes so uh jd and i played uh, an upcoming game, uh, Dice Souls, that we, we have recorded. Uh, it's a two-player game. It's fucking fantastic. And I'm really excited to get that edited and get that out. Um, then the four of us played Casket Lands. Uh, and right now, we're in the middle of recording a game of The Spire that I'm running. Those should all be upcoming in the next few months. So keep your eyes out for those. Um I'd love to run Lancer at some point and uh, Band of Blades. I mean, there's so many games that I'd really like to run that it's, you know, of course, right now I can't fucking think of any of them. But JD, what you got on the docket for for Seasides? Oh, what are you hoping? I know you're I know you're 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 grappling (laughs) with. Uh, a lot right now so you can maybe tell them what you're grappling with right now yeah. uh, for, for one Jason Cordova yes. and then uh, um, what you what else you're doing so the first thing that I have that I'm working on right now I'm editing the next trophy series so we did our trophy series trophy gold with Jason Cordova of the gauntlet um, and of publication fame I guess now <laughs> um, uh, we did that and it was great and so then we recorded a second series with that um, I'm editing that now, so that should be coming out pretty soon. That'll be my next C side. It's not mine, but whatever. It'll be the next C side that I'm producing that will drop. Otherwise, uh, I'm not working on any C sides right now because I'm working on the next series of the main cast, whatever. Um, so I'm very focused on that. As far as what I want to do in the future, Impulse Drive is still like an itch that I need to scratch real bad with all of you. Um, there's a bunch of games. I've been doing a lot of like research into stuff. I might run some like OSRE kind of things in the future. We've never, we don't really dabble with that very much. So it'd be kind of fun, I think, for all of us to do at some point. Um, and there's a million systems out there and some are doing some really cool things, I think. So that's definitely something I'm aware of. Um, otherwise there are a couple of, um, little like interesting PBTA games that I'm in kind of into running sagas of the Icelanders is one that I've always wanted to run for the podcast. Um, Ruma is like a bronze age Rome one that I think is cool to check out. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to run like Ryan said too, but um, right now I'm like, everything is just like all, all full speed ahead on the next series. So that's what I'm concentrating on. Which will start next week by the time that this drops, hopefully. I think is the plan, is that series uh, nine will start pretty soon. Nathan, wh- wh- what, are you, what are you jamming? What are you, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you doing? What are you bringing to the table? So um, we've had my Veil series coming out for the past couple months. I believe the fourth episode came, was out last week. And then in two, three weeks, 
we'll have the last episode of that. There's only there's only one left. Spoiler. I uh, want to do. Zach and I are hopefully going to do uh, some one-on-one games, which is not something. Uh, obviously, we talked about um, Ryan and JD have a one-on-one game coming up, and we haven't done a whole lot of one-on-one. We've done uh, three-person games, but not a lot of two-person games on the cast, and we should explore that space a little bit more because I think that that's a thing that people want to experience. So, um, masks hopefully is what we're doing, though I have done very little work in actually making that an actuality, <laughs> but I, I think there's a lot of juice there. I, I read a lot of comic books. Uh, I also have Apocalypse Keys, which we should oh, get yeah. going here shortly. Yeah. Speaking of comic books and Hellboy, uh, that should be fucking great. The game looks fantastic. We'll get that out here before too long. And I really, really want to play Misspent Youth. I picked that up when Robert Bull was closing his store about six months ago, and it's been sitting on my shelf ever since. And I really want to play that. It's it looks great. So those are those are the my 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 short list of games to play. Fantastic. And rounding it out, the laziest member of the Chimera cast, me. My hopes going forward. Uh, I am. I had a dream of playing L five R, which I still want to do. And I'm still laying the foundations of that for hopefully a multi-episode incursion type thing. Uh, But we had recently come out into my purview, The Between, by famed gauntleteer Jason Cordova. And I have been an absolute knockout fan of this game since he originally put it out. I've... Kind of, I didn't think that, J- I didn't really ask Jason when he was going to put this out, so it kind of sprung up on me and I've had to pivot a little bit, but I really like the idea of playing Victorian London, like, murder mysteries with werewolves, vampires, and every other amalgamation of classical horror creature that I could imagine. I want to do it, and I really like the system that he uses. I've been investigating a little bit of it, and I think it will be a cool challenge for our players. Um, and, yeah, I'm I'm doing that. So I'm pivoting a little bit hard, and I'm going to probably run the between here in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, uh, whenever we have space for it. But that's going to be the first thing. Then probably L5R, and then if I have time... Before my series, I would love to run Monster Hearts, but Monster Hearts is the third one down. I would say L5R is the one I really want to run. Like personally, the Between is one I'm just so excited by. I feel like I have to run it, and then Monster Hearts is one that I also really love. But it's it's also been that kind of like long term love where like I'll get to it. I definitely will play a game of Monster Hearts and I'll have a ton of fun as a as a person who watched a lot of Buffy and a lot of Angel when they were a young teen. Like I definitely uh, want to want to run Monster Hearts. So it'll happen. And Power Rangers. Fuck. I don't know. Like that's probably equally an inspiration to Monster to Monster Hearts. Teenagers in high school who are different. Let's go. Uh, so th- those are that's kind of that's kind of the space in which I'm I'm painting in right now. So adjacent, yeah, adjacent to seasides is the fact that we are not. It's important to note that we are not married to a system, and we're certainly not married to a system that's 
written by a problematic person. I think we are exploring more things in our world, and I hope you will join us in that journey. Ryan, take it away with what you've got for ideas for your campaign, which ostensibly will be the one that follows yeah. JD. So I think at the very beginning of this podcast, when we talked about what our next series is going to be, I talked about doing a uh, like fantasy version of Apocalypse Now. And that's still the plan, but instead of doing it in Dungeon World, um, we will be playing uh, Iron Sworn, and which is you know traditionally thought of as uh, a solo or co-op game, but we're going to be playing it as a more traditional um, role-playing game with a facilitator and players, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna test the waters, kick the tires on Iron Sworn. Um, and and hopefully and see how that works out so yeah that's that's our plan for the the my next game yeah i think the pitch going forward or whatever is that we're not necessarily i like dungeon world a lot it it's not a perfect system by any stretch um obviously we've made good use of it uh but i think we're playing things a little looser going forward. We're not going to necessarily stay a quote dungeon world, actual play podcast unquote. We're going to play the games that help us facilitate our stories. I think we're going to stay with the world that we've been working in. That's not going to change for our main podcast. At least we're all fantasy nerds in the sense that we all like telling these kind of stories and playing these kind of characters. We have a lot of lore that's been built up slowly some for the better some for the worse maybe um <laughs> but we're not abandoning that but we're not tied to the system and so we're gonna dabble with some of the things maybe in the future and we might still play dungeon world that's not necessarily going away my next series is absolutely dungeon world um especially when we're talking about bringing back prior characters that we've played on the podcast we've talked about dungeon world so that's not going away yeah i my campaign potentially will be in dungeon world just because we are bringing two characters back they have a history they have a bunch of unique items they've leveled up so there's a chance that i'll play it in my for my campaign as well um there is a 0% chance we still have those playbooks. <laughs> I have them. <laughs> Do you really? You found yeah, them? I have both of them. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Suck. Fuck yeah. Suck it, nerds. You were like, in unique items, and I was like, yeah. I think Sanagar had like some spit I say, and like I, missing I, eye. And a, and a cursed heron, you motherfucker. I'm here. Right. Yeah, you've got an army. Uh, I'm, they're hungry. Yeah, I'm sure. All the time. Army marches on its stomach. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yep. That's snake. I think you had that mixed up what? with a snake. Um <laughs> Anyway, my point is uh is that we're gonna keep doing our thing, but the system might change going yeah. forward. Or or it might not be uh, so consistent. And maybe we'll find something that eventually like is really the thing and it, it's perfect for what we want to do. It's possible. Um but otherwise we're not we're not married to Dungeon World for a, a number of reasons. Yeah, and I, I, I think that is born out of, I think we've probably talked about this, also systemic constraints, like we would like to explore other stuff. I think all of us were at the mode of creating custom moves quite often on the fly or 
or if you're me, just ignoring the rules. Yeah, like precognitively. <laughs> Again, or OSR, whatever. dude. I think I think you're gonna like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you will see a little bit more of that creative outlet explored, and I hope that you are willing to follow us on this journey. I'm pretty excited about it. So in the future, uh, we are pretty soon gonna be launching a Patreon campaign. It is obviously you're under no obligation to contribute to it um but we have to pay for hosting and other things related to the podcast and so if you would like to support us that would be uh, incredible um we're gonna have a number of tiers um i'm trying to think of the best way to like pitch this you can tattoo something. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good pitch. Yeah. So, um, starting out, right, you're gonna have access to a Patreon-only Discord, which is chill. We'll just be hanging out. We can talk about whatever. I don't care really. Yeah, that's just gonna, that's just kind of a little movies. bonus. I'll, and then, yeah, we're I'll stream yeah, wrestling. On we're talking there. about doing movie nights, watching wrestling on there. Um, if we do movie nights and stuff, we'll be commenting on it. We'll probably just watch some of our favorites. Talk about how maybe they apply to RPGs or how they inspire us whatever mm. i don't know um but that's something we've definitely talked about doing it's just a way to more directly interact we're not very good at twitter and instagram obviously if you follow us there th- thank you but we're not great at it on um, discord i'm a little bit more engaged in um so we're talking about doing that it'll also give you access to potentially depending on the level you back at all of our notes and everything that we use for the podcast you'll also be able to get a only lightly edited version of the feed so starting from my series and going forward from there all of our releases will have kind of two different versions uh, or at least most of our releases the main cast releases will definitely have this where there'll be the tightly edited one that we usually put out that's what you're used to listening to and then we'll have a more loosely edited version of the podcast, which is a little bit more of like you sitting at our table. We'll talk a lot more about rules, about uh, fictional positioning and the narrative, but we'll also have a lot more dumb jokes of us just hanging out kind of. So it, it kind of gives you a better insight into what it's actually like to sit at our table rather than just having a story to listen to, um, which I think will be cool. And then if you back at higher levels, you'll also get access to literally everything we ever put out going forward um and then at the highest level uh you can get something tattooed on nathan (laughs) so that's kind of the that is the big pitch in the end yeah get get on that now before i i I you decide it's a terrible idea make a good decision (laughs) (laughs) well my skin is full so (laughs) there's plenty left there's a pretty low chance that you would propose a worse tattoo than the tattoos that i have (laughs) but you know I'll admit you you might class up the place a little bit with your with your suggestion. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I nobody can see the fucking creepy like up and down that Zach gave me when he said that. Mm, mm, <laughs> he just mm. you might class up the place <laughs> and give me a, and give me a fucking once over. Well, I re- I I really did remember the the Nintendo gun on your hip, and I was like, yeah. "Man, I'm friends with an idiot." The Nintendo gun is one of the more tasteful tattoos that I have. <laughs> I feel like that's just a foray into exactly what type of person this man is. Yeah. He's a nice guy, and potentially, <laughs> uh, we could transition that tattoo over to me. You never know. We'll never. Anyway, whatever. So. <laughs> 
Uh, expect that Patreon to launch within the next month or so. If you've been enjoying what we've been doing and you have some extra money, I know things are tight for a lot of people. No worries. We love you no matter what. But if you want to chat with us in Discord, watch the movies with us, listen to us joke around at the table. Uh, oh, you will be able to do this is maybe important since we've talked about seasides. You'll be able to vote on upcoming seasides. That's at any level that we're going to have. So you can kind of say what you're interested, you know. We'll post a poll up for Patreons and then um, just based on what we're kind of thinking about doing for Seasides and you'll be able to say like, oh, you know, I've heard a lot about this game. I would really like to hear you guys play it and get a chance to see what it's like at the table. That's a good way to to be able to do that. You'll actually have a say in what we're doing. And if you can't afford our Patreon and you're real hard up, but you want to kick it on the Discord, hit us up. Like, yeah, that's that's actually true. Yeah, yeah. This isn't really about making money. No. We want to cover yeah, the cost of the hosting fees. That's cool about people. it. Yeah. So here's here's maybe what we'll do, and this will this will transition into the into the next segment. Uh, if you want on the Discord and or you want access to whatever, but you don't have money, I totally understand it. If you write us a review, we'll give you an invite to the Discord. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> I'm gonna go talk about reviews. Um, I yeah, said that I would shout out people that reviewed us. Uh, we have a few um, apologies if you reviewed us on a site that I haven't found or don't have access to. I searched around to find what I could find. Um, so first of all, I would like to once again shout out uh, Scandals, aka DM Kiato. You're the first person that reviewed us. We talked about you in the last Dragons Den. You rule. I don't know. You're the old school reviewer. You get a badge that Thanks. says that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you reviewed us back when. If you, you, if you if you join the Discord, we will give you a a special Discord badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good point. If you have previous re- previously reviewed us and you don't want to give us money, you can just uh, let us know. I'll send you an invite. Yeah, just message us on Twitter. Or um, outside of that, uh, okay. Um, other reviews that we've received in the last uh whatever nine years um admiletts uh you said on point these guys are good i didn't have much interest in pbat in pbta system uh but they use it so well that i'm now really interested great rpg and compelling stories uh thank you a million times for reviewing us it's very nice Thanks. Just even these guys are good. That's a wonderful review. I'm very stoked. Yeah. About it. yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Holy shit. Thank you. Little do you know. <laughs> I mostly think I'm bad. Literally so. every time every time I see that we have a new review, I get real yeah. giddy and dorky about it. And I'm a very like somber goth person, so you make <laughs> me break character. Reviews make me break character. Please write reviews. Um, if you've ever wanted to see JD break character, <laughs> right uh, our other review that we have on iTunes right now um, says uh, from Mick Micklemore. Mick. Oh, Macklemore must have given us a review. <laughs> Did Macklemore give <laughs> us Macklemore? a review? Holy shit, dude! V I don't know how to say people's screen names. It says new favorite RPG podcast, which is already that's a strong start. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Uh, outstanding actual play podcast. As a player in DM, I look for something less restrictive than D&D, but with a bit more structural than Fate Core. Thank you. That is also what brought me to, to Dungeon World. Uh, I picked up a copy of Dungeon World a while back, but it didn't really click with me. 
However, after hearing this amazing podcast, DW makes so much more sense. Can't wait to play a session myself. Thanks again for the high quality DMing, playing, and recording. Uh, P.S. It would be great to have access to the character playbooks one day. Yeah, we don't upload those because we don't we lose them <laughs> or or burn them <laughs> or other things. It'd be a cool addition guess, to help yeah. <laughs> uh, learn some of the moves mentioned during play. Uh, I would be happy to link anybody to any of the playbooks that we use. Um, some of them have to be purchased, but uh, they're almost always I, worth the money, yeah. especially if we're playing yeah. them. I think any any non-core playbook we've used is linked at least in the episode zero. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. If if that's not the case, message There's us. some really good stuff yeah, out there. Absolutely. That's part of it is like the Dungeon World community, like Dungeon World, whatever, but the Dungeon World community is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's so many good playbooks yeah. out there by great people that uh, keep supporting it, and I and I love what people are doing. So, um, that um that review did touch on something. I don't know if you guys want to talk about this. We can cut this if you if you don't feel like it. But I do think it's an interesting thing about Dungeon World when people talk about PBTAs, and obviously Dungeon World isn't actually PBTA; it's PBTA adjacent, hmm. but or proto PBTA. However you want to think about it, but uh. The way that Dungeon World actually works requires you to know how both Apocalypse World work, or doesn't require you, but requires you to understand how Apocalypse World is supposed to work, and also how D&D is supposed to work. Like, the game itself, I don't think, actually f- necessarily functions as intended I, without I'll be honest, I've bringing, literally um, never read the Dungeon World book. You know, this makes a lot of sense. You're fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it makes, makes a lot sense. of sense. Guy who who made maybe the best game that we've played. Well, yeah. you just don't need yeah. it. Like, I've yeah. I have no, the apocalypse. It's not even very good at of... explaining how Dungeon World it's works. Not. Honestly, and so, and yeah. and I, you know, I've ran a god's plenty of Dungeons and Dragons before I started playing with you guys. Having knowing how to do those two games is more important than knowing how to play Dungeon World. So. Yeah, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, it, one, speaking of Seaside's Apocalypse World. We should do it sometime. I want to do it. I want to do it real yeah. bad, actually. It's a good game. I don't know. It's not very popular for actual plays, I feel like, at this point, but that game rules. Um, it's o- Yeah, it's oddly that thing where it's like the forefather that no one ever actually took the time to. I mean, plenty of people played it. It's with, just like. It just wasn't. I don't know. I don't know of a lot of actual plays, and I'm sure they're out there. It but, literally, yeah. it felt like everyone played it before well, it was cool. It, it was big. It was big before. It's like, actual well, no one played cool. it after. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, I would like to propose my apocalypse where we blow up the moon and drag Venus into Earth's orbit to cre- to uh, to stabilize it. Yeah, I miss that game. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm gonna do it in masks. So fair. Just warning you fair. now. Um, the other thing that right. I was going to say cool. is, uh, yeah, going forward for saying like you want access to the character playbooks, um, whatever. if you want access to our moves and our notes and stuff, that's Patreon, back us on the Patreon. We'll have them all there. Even if they're just scribbled on napkins, we're not going to promise yeah, that they're going to be useful notes napkin. or even legible notes, but you'll, but they will be <laughs> notes. There will be I, notes. I, I take mine up on um, uh, Google docs. So they'll at least be legible. Useful. Who, yeah, who God's yeah. Knows, but mine, mine will be not. Mine will be totally not useful, and Zach's will be completely illegible. I think JD and uh, Ryan will be pretty fine. <laughs> First off, wow, I'm hurt. Are Second. you? You can't read my handwriting either. Well, yeah, your handwriting's horrible. No, Mine's fine. No, it's not. All right. Uh, the it last, really, the last really review isn't. that we have. <laughs> 
since I can't, I can't physically separate you two because I'm not in the same room. Um, this guy literally doesn't even take notes. I don't either, but Jesus. Uh, the last review that we have is on a different, it's not on iTunes. Um, it's from a, uh, what does this say? ZW Garth. I obviously have no idea who this is. It's definitely not Zach from the Heart Points podcasts. Uh, <laughs> we uh, have an excellent game of Swords Without Master as a seaside that you can check out. Um, and also go check out the Heart Points podcast. Uh, they're lovely people. Yes. They're great role players, and they're even better world builders. Uh, and it says the Chimera cast is an excellent digital world anthology style series with lots of different adventures and characters. The cast is fun, evocative and engaging and very knowledgeable on the system as well as other role-playing games together. They bring in lots of cool elements into their various stories, which each build on the series mythology. The different parties of characters always feel unique playing on fantasy archetypes in different ways. Oh, in interesting ways, a very fun series of dungeon world stories to enjoy. Thanks Zach. I love you. Let's play games again yes. soon. Yep. For real, love um, you. Yeah, Jesus. That's a Thank you so perfect, much. succinct description of like what we're doing here, and I, I might just copy that and make that our new. Um, description you just do it like a, a blurb, like you know how books <laughs> will put. Reviews yeah, if we had if we had a book for our podcast, yeah. that's it. That's the one. It's real good. Yeah. Um, so thanks for yeah, reviewing thanks, us on Pod Chaser. I think I don't know. There's a million pod things out there. Pod stuff. But thanks to everybody who reviewed us. It's amazing. Um, I really, really appreciate it. We all really appreciate it. Um, it means a lot to us and makes our day. So if you like what we do, please leave us a review. That would be amazing. Um, or And or back us on a Patreon and or buy a t-shirt or stickers that we have um, at thechimera.bigcartel.com, I think. Uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know. Is that it? Is that all we have for? We have that one question on the. Oh, website. we do have a question. Oh my god! I totally. This is <laughs> this is really good. Okay, so we asked for questions. Um, we did get a question from Morgan on our website. Uh, so first of all, thank you, Morgan, for writing us and asking us this question. Morgan says, "Hello, love your podcast. You've given me a lot of great ideas to implement in my own games." I don't know much about your group's history, but what's clear as a listener is that you all very genuinely enjoy the RP process and the building of a collaborative story. In my limited experience, I found it challenging to find a group that not only enjoys each other's company, but also has the same goals in mind for the RP. How long have you guys played together? And what evolution have you had to take as a group to ensure a positive, supportive environment, not only between players, but of the characters and the story itself? Thank you and keep up the excellent work. Morgan B. Our history, so yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe I should start this off. Yeah, yeah, start, yeah. Start you with that. Started I off. played Dungeons and Dragons uh, as a tyke, um, so I've been playing D and D since I was fourteen, something like that. So I've been playing it for more than half my life, which is wild to think about. Um, and I played that all through high school and then into college, and then. Uh, wasn't satisfied or whatever. And so I dug around and played a bunch of different systems and then found PBTA and Dungeon World specifically. And then started running like a couple of little Dungeon World games. And I did like uh, some normal short games with some friends of mine, like a lot of people do. And then I did like a West Marches style thing that like didn't work out. And then I found the gauntlet. And I like got it. It like clicked into place for me really heavily. Um, 
the idea of like short games that people would commit to and play them. So I started running for everybody these like monthly dungeon world games. That's how it started. And I had to have a name for it because the gauntlet is a good name (laughs) and it's cool. And so I ended up going with the chimera, which in hindsight, if I knew that this was going to like turn into a podcast, I would have like, you know, planned it or something or like, you know, planned the optics better, but whatever. So with the chimera, uh, and we started playing these monthly Dungeon World games, and we slowly started adding more people to the group. Um, but like Zach and Nathan, you played in that original game, that very first Chimera Dungeon World game. Do you have any thoughts about like where we were at at that time? That was Zach and Nathan, both of you, your first RPG, is that right? No, I played in a proto Chimera game. Where we fought a oh, crab. Oh, you did. You did fight in my... That was my West Marches game. My my West yeah. Marches inspired campaign. That's right. I forgot. You were a yeah. witch in that one too, I think, right? Yep. That was... And it was great. <laughs> but as far as, as far as the first Chimera game... So I didn't play in the first Chimera game. I played in the second Chimera game. The second session. Second session. The second session first, of the first. first like, month on game and we had a person drop and you took over their character. Yeah, which is a weird way to do was it. Was I working at? That's how we did it. Yeah, was I working at the shop at that time? Yeah, I think so. And I don't know why Jake was like, "Here, play this character," and I was like, "Well, that's weird." And and then, yeah, I'm. We played in a bar. We got very drunk, and I was a fucking weirdo. And Zach and I, Zach and I vibed. <laughs> um, and then after after that, I don't know if you, there's anything you want to add to that, Zach. You should no. No, I'm good. You're doing great. <laughs> All right. We got very drunk, and we drunkenly told told JD, after maybe another game of that, that we should really make a podcast because what we're doing is different than what we hear on Adventure Zone. And JD was like, no. And then I bought audio equipment, and um, and now we do this podcast. We brought in Ryan after that. I believe you were a guest in the... The very first game I didn't we did. So before, no, he no. wasn't. He wasn't at all. No, I, no, I is, came down. So I want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Audio guest. Yeah. The first yeah. audio one that's not released currently, although maybe it'll end up on the Patreon, Zach. Um, but it should also maybe. be noted for that first Chimera game, Zach, you and I just ended up working together at the bar. Yep. And I... I did not shut up about RPGs, I think. And you were like, I'm going to play a dwarf. <laughs> and like, just got, I don't even, how did we end up friends? First of all, I remember, so the very first conversation I ever had with Zach was me showing up to the bar that I was supposed to bar back at. And I said, Hey, I'm supposed to bar back. This is my very first bar job. And you threw the buckets underneath the, the like part of the bar that you duck under as a bartender to get behind the bar. You threw the buckets under that section of the bar and you said, go get ice. And that was it. That was our first. And I was like, uh, where's the ice? You're like downstairs. Like I had no idea what was going on. And I brought the ice up. And then I think the thing after that was you told me how to do dishes and you were like, get down and stay down. And I've used that with every bar back I've ever used like worked with ever since it was like do dishes get down and stay down 
I will admit that this comes off as me as like a harsh and cruel mentor, and I am not. I'm no. Very it was like it was and... it was perfect, but it was immediately I was like, oh shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. So I'll, I'll then transition into. I guess we're all telling our origin story for RPGs, so that's kind of great. <laughs> um, I was pals before that with Nathan. Uh, Nathan worked at a coffee shop. I didn't go to his comic shop, but we were friends before that. I got into Taz right before it took a giant shit, and you can totally keep this in. Maybe beep out the curse word. Why would I got into now? Taz right before it totally... <laughs> That's it, the only curse word ever <laughs> is when we suggested the McElroys or anything or less, absolute less than turns. <laughs> Parts of Adventure Zone aren't good. Go on. Uh, I got in. I got in. I would argue at like their their hottest peak. Like I think they were just coming off of the the carnival, the pain carnival, basically. And I was like, this is a very cool and interesting thing. I zipped through it, and I was like, this is dope. I really like engaging with people and building worlds. Right, like. There were aspects of their show that were dumb when they would just go off on a tangent for 30 minutes and talk together. But I was like, there's some really good world building in here. And it was the type of thing where, like, I personally had never played RPGs before this. I had never really played, like, card games, uh, video games in that kind of scope. I had played a couple of things, but nothing, nothing in that kind of way. But obviously... I'd been a little bit of a writer. I'd done a little bit of creative stuff. So I was really interested in engaging uh, with the world and just having fun telling stories with people. The collaborative process. To tell, to give you guys at home a little insight, I have a, a minor in acting. It was something where I was like, I was super interested in the collaborative storytelling process, which was super great because that's what... Like, to me, when I was thinking about it, that was the analog. It was like, well, I'm never going to fucking go act anymore. And, like, I was super engaged and interested in the idea of the podcast. That I was a big podcast listener. And, like, the radio play, like, the old-timey radio plays and stuff. It was like, we can kind of engage with this. Like, that's what Taz does. Again, but we can do it on a different level. And that's realistically what came out of it. I was like, we could do this. Out of that, we kind of grew together as a group and we all pushed each other and engaged and ryan who hasn't said anything has said a little bit yet but like ryan became a part of our group really quickly and ryan was kind of the beautiful centerpiece the 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 rock of what we do uh in the sense of he was the traditional GM who had a really interesting backstory who was doing a bunch of the stuff that it's like well you know like me I'm a lazy piece of shit uh, Nathan is kind of riffing and being amazing but a little bit more spontaneous in the moment JD is trying to flip the world upside down and like challenge all the rules and things like this Ryan was the only person I could be like we could go to a bar and have a beer and talk to a guy about a thing and it would be fun it would just be fun it would be like it was my my conception and my idea of what world of warcraft was without knowing what world of warcraft was i was like i could play world of warcraft with ryan like he'll he'll just like i can i'm gonna i, I 
two snow moose. I want two <laughs> snow moose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this thing. Yeah. And then eventually, somehow, about? we're fighting the demagogue queen. <laughs> I have queen. no idea what spoiler he's talking the, about. Spoiler yeah. for the veil. I tried. I tried telling these fucking flighty motherfuckers to kill three snow moose, and they instead kill the guy who offers he the quest. Big snow moose. So <laughs> I don't understand. We're geniuses, is what you're uh, saying. But that is a good. So all three of us started playing really early on in the Chimera. And we even did the podcast by ourselves. But I think we started the original podcast recording, which was Zach's first GMing game ever. Any the first game yeah. he ever he ever GM'd, which is amazing that that's recorded and maybe we'll get put out. We'll see. Um which I was gonna say the Chimera turned into a like a GM machine. It was like printing gms i got so many people to yeah. run their first game through the chimera because it was it was a short commitment you had a short scope it was usually a game that you were comfortable with or excited to try out and play um and that's probably the thing that i'm most proud of with the chimera is that it was just like getting people to run games whether it was through our worldwide wrestling game where i had a ton of new gms um or through dungeon world or just through anybody else interested in running systems um, but then Ryan came in as a person who was like, oh, I've GM'd a shit ton and I would like to play these games that are less, that are like more involved. And I would like to play with people that are more involved. So Ryan, I want you to talk about how you came into the Chimera. Cause I was probably drunk and don't really remember before I met any of these guys. I was, I've been running like a years long campaign of Dungeons and Dragons and I was getting really burnt out. I was, um, you know, second edition or advanced or what? Five E, but I've been running Five E almost since it came out. But I, I'd run fourth edition before that and three point five. Um, both well, fourth edition fucking rocks. Uh, but it, I digress. Um, and beep that out, Nathan. It's it's the best edition of the indie. That's, yeah, like, that's like the indie. The- that's the indie RPG like consensus at this point. Yeah, because yeah, it, is it, that fourth it, edition is the best edition yeah, it of D and D. Does all the D and D stuff the best? So it's just not a good role playing game. Well, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that's a larger discussion that should be a panel somewhere. <laughs> All I've all I've played is fit. yeah. So I I had known Zach before, and we were we like hanging out with mutual friends, and he was telling me about his D and D game, and we were drinking together, and I was like, that sounds fucking tight, and he's like, you should come play with us, and then I kind of got to know Nathan, talking to him about games at the coffee shop and playing games with JD, and we were playing games like four nights a week, like we said earlier. And got to be really good friends. And yeah, then when they decided to uh, start a podcast, I had already been trying to convince my other play group that we should start a podcast, but uh, they didn't want to spend like the initial start money on that. Um, and frankly, probably wouldn't have been the best like group to do a podcast with. Um, so yeah. Um, then when they these guys were talking about starting a podcast, I was like, "Can I be on your podcast with you?" And they said, "Yeah." And that's pretty much <laughs> why, how why I'm here and why these are three of my best friends in the whole world now. So, <laughs> Aww. Aww. if you've ever had a sneaking suspicion, yes, the Chimera cast it's adorable. Yes, we'll eventually have a plushie. Um, that would rule. 
So the actual question, I found it challenging to find a group that not only enjoys each other's company, but also has the same goals in mind for the RP. And then it says, how long have you guys, pl have you guys played together? So I kind of explained that. I mean, we've been playing since 20... What did I start the Chimera? 2016? What evolution have you had to take as a group to ensure a positive, supportive environment? Not only between players, but between characters and the story itself. So I do think that part of this is the fact that I was a tyrant when it came to the beginning of the group. And what I mean by that is I had very clear goals established. Um, and I think importantly... It was a group that you could drop in and drop out of. So I was I was asking people to commit, but I was only asking people to commit to about four sessions. Anywhere from two to four sessions, depending on the game. And it's very easy to go like, okay, I'll play two sessions with these guys. Um, and then you either stick around or you don't. And that's why we ended up with a group of, you know, probably, I don't know. How many people do you think total played Chimera games? Like 40, 50? tops but that was a big part of it is you're like yeah. oh you're interested in rpgs or oh you've played D, but you've never played anything else like come play the game with us and if you dig it you dig it and we ended up with a, a really strong core group of yeah like 20 to 30 people that were cons very consistently playing different games with us depending on what they were interested in and whatever um which was really cool and that's also part of what fed into it being a gm factory so i think that's a really good way yeah. is don't don't if you're looking for to like a way to develop a group, don't make games that are unending or perpetual and then expect them to lead to satisfaction for people. I think the short-term play, which I learned from the Gauntlet, really taught me to play differently. And we don't do that so much on the podcast anymore, but it was it, I was very strict about like this is a tight four-session game and that's it. So the yeah. games were short. I mean, um, it also helped us, I think, dive into RP quicker because you just kind of have to sink into your character real quick um, if you're forced into it. But then it was also the agreement that all the players made to say, I'm going to play your game, which basically says, hey, mm -hmm. this is going to be four sessions, and it's called uh, the Sea Dreamt Spire. And what you guys are going to do is you're going to go to this oceanside tower that exists and you're going to explore it and then you're done everybody was like cool we're on board so it wasn't they weren't open-ended games and i think that led to a lot of players understanding that they are agreeing to be part of this group for a certain short amount of time i also i think one of the most important things that you jd and each of us perpetuated was the idea that we had this shared world. and But I think something to really drive home, if you want to do a shared world, remember that you have, like, I, I just remember you being like, these are a bunch of little city-states. No one gives a fuck about what's happening handsfuls of miles away. That doesn't affect them. So, like, not everything has to have this continuative, like, arc of like it's building and it's building it's building it's like we can drop back in and now we're way up in the north and there are these fucking vampires in the hills in the frost tipped hills that we have to kill this and then we can come back down and there are these salamanders that are on fire that are plaguing this small village <laughs> that we have to engage with it became this type of thing where it's like nothing has to we realized that we could just undercut the idea of the epic, right? Like that. Yeah. At the beginning we were just 
kill two snow moose. And then eventually we're like, cool, we're fighting the gods. Like, on the podcast, you guys get to see us start spinning a more complex and deep web of what's going on in the world. And we're really cognizant of, you know, a little bit more of the political back and forth, the machinations of the world as it is. But like at the end of the day, any one of us could be like, Hey, you're three fuckos who are going to this lodge in a mountain and you're, there's some money for you. And none of us, absolutely none of us would be like, well, that seems a little like without interest. It's like, Fuck yeah, dude. This, yeah, let's yeah go. this is a like all of us are. This is definitely a big pitch too, and it came out of what I was just doing because they were short term games. But it's also just my personal preferences. Is that I don't really like epic fantasy. I don't find it particularly interesting to have the world be at stake at all the time. Um, well, I like sword and sorcery as a genre, and so smaller, more personal stories that don't necessarily affect the entire world, um, are part are big part of what I'm interested in in fantasy and I think that actually really helped shape what that chimera was doing and the the anthology world style that we fell into which helped people come back I think like oh I can be my character again but it's in a new place and I'm doing a new thing or oh I don't have to care about what was happening before it doesn't matter there's no like there's no important lore I need to know you're going to give me everything I need and everything that we've done has come out of that anthology style. Like the reason that Cyclopses are a thing in our world is because the very first game I was like, you guys are transporting something like from wherever you were to this citadel that stores ancient artifacts that need to be protected. What are you transporting? And it was like, oh, it's this gauntlet of a Cyclops. And it was like, cool. And then from there on, Cyclopses were like important godlike figures in our world. And that's it. Um, but I do think that that's been a big part of it and a big part to help shape is like these short-term stories that help people figure out if this is for them or not. And I definitely ended up with this core group because I love RPing with all of you guys and we've been playing for a long time together. And then Zach and Nathan, obviously, we wouldn't have a podcast if it weren't for you two being like, hey, we should do a podcast. Um, <laughs> but that was a big part of finding the group that really worked for me was doing these short-term games and then just the people that really loved it and liked the style and liked playing with each other stuck around. Yeah. So, like, as, as in terms of an actionable list, advice advice i would with it what we're getting down to is be upfront with your expectations that uh, is what we're getting at with the the short story thing is like this is my game this is the but implied in there is the tone that the game is going to have and uh, if if you want to run a goofy gonzo game like it we haven't really talked about it but we had a it i believe we just had the last session of a like 5 year long game of worldwide wrestling and it started out as a very straightforward game of worldwide wrestling and i will tell you the last fight was a fight between two giant robots that in ended in shooting a, out of its cock a, a a man in like a ball flexing so like <laughs> it it <laughs> Be upfront with your expectations, and it really helps to divide things into short arcs so that you can meet, change those expectations as interest starts to wane in one direction or another. I would like something more straightforward. We had a big blood sport fight. 
I would like something a little more gonzo. We go into space and have Mortal Kombat fights that are literally to the death. That's really important to everything. Like, this is a game about... Games in general are about communication. Art is about communication. But more than anything, shared world is about communication. And you need to tell people at the beginning and at every point that you possibly can what you want. Yeah. Um, and if you don't tell people what you want, then there's no way for them to know what you're expecting. And they, that's what we do. We do that constantly. We're, we're going into a cyclopean necropolis. Spoilers. All of us know what that means. And, like, that's important, right? Like, everything you need to know is in that. Like, the tone is, like, is implied. It's it's heavy metal, kind of, you know. So, think about that. Be as upforward as you can. And also, like, don't be afraid to, to identify that, like, people don't work for certain tones of games. We found that in plenty of situations. Yeah, totally. I think uh, letting people leave, letting people bow out, we didn't really run into that many issues with that, but um, don't stress it. Uh, use safety tools. That's what I was just going to say. I didn't when we started because I didn't know that they existed. I was very ignorant uh, when I first started the Chimera about RPG tools and stuff in general. Um, so I didn't. I wish I would have. And since then, like since learning about them many years ago at this point, any new game, I always start with safety tools and everybody always really likes it and appreciates it. It's always nice to know that you are an equal voice in the game, even if I'm facilitating it or even when I was facilitating it. I was going to finish if you guys are cool with it as a response to this question, which by the way, thank you, Morgan. I know that we've talked a lot about it, but this question is really good. And I think I really, I'm going to, I'm going to pop in before you finish. So let me, um, one, one more, one more piece. I want to, I want to say as well, um, just as a small, um, afterward to all of this, you know, we've been talking about the best practices, the best ways that we can do it. All of our successes as a group, um, you are potentially going to fail. You're going to run a game and people are going to be like, you know what? I really didn't under, I, I felt like my character was underserved. I, they will, they will give you constructive feedback and it will crush you. Uh, and it'll be horrible. And I, I, this comes from a place of experience. I've had multiple games that I've run, they're mostly off the cast, where it was like, hey, I didn't have any fun, my character wasn't doing anything, hey, you really put me in a weird position, and you know, your intentions will have been the absolute best. You'll be like, I thought this was what you wanted, this was cool, we had been doing this, you didn't tell me anything. Communication at a certain point, like us talking to each other, sometimes that will break down. Sometimes, you know, no matter how open the lobby is, people aren't going to tell you when they're not having fun. Sometimes they'll be like, you know, both sides, right? I was, I was going along with your thing. You were going along with mine. That's just going to be what potentially happens. And I want to tell you, uh, now as, uh, as the old 30 plus man, like just be ready for that type of situation. It's going to be okay. You're going to work through it. And if you can come at it with a, engaged and positive energy to be like, you know what? I need to learn from what you're doing. You're right. Maybe I checked a signal wrong or it's like, 
you know what? There was nothing I could do at the time, and I'm going to try and think about that moving forward, and it'll definitely be something that I learned from, and thank you for helping me learn. Um, though That type of shit is going to happen. Don't feel bad. I know you're going to, and these words don't change anything, but like, we're here for you, and believe you me, if you're in the Discord, again, if you spend money or ask one of us, whatever, we will commiserate with you. I can just tell you all the times that I stepped on my own toes for multiple players and been like, well, <laughs> shit, I really, I really just screwed this one up. Um, if there's one thing, if there's one thing we're good at, it's being sad bastards together. So, yeah, and I was sad, sad. That's another bastards. good safety tool kind of thing. That's, another tool you can use in your RPGs up. is decompress after the game and talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I learned a lot from that for sure, and I'm a much better now. I don't care what these what these guys' opinions are; they can fuck off. Um, but when I was playing, <laughs> and especially when I play with strangers, I always really want to know what they, you know, or just people new to role playing or whatever, not strangers necessarily. But um, it's good to know what they yeah, liked, what they didn't like, of... and what they expect the next session. So then, by the time you come back <clears throat> for the next session of the game, you have a better idea of maybe what they're looking for stars and wishes yeah there are a lot of words for this uh, rose and thorn stars and wishes yeah, yeah. yeah um but just spend a minute get everybody get everybody a cold beverage yeah. of choice and say what do you guys think yep how did we feel yeah. about that and it, that's a good yeah and use your you, how did we feel check in with your players too not just at the very end of the game, but like, you know, you can see if somebody's not having a good time or even if you suspect, like, you don't have to call them out or anything. Just like, hey, every, everything cool? Like, this going well? Because um, there have been several times when I've thought, you know, like, people were checking out or not having fun. Not on the cast, but in other games that I've run and people are like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, got other stuff going on or whatever. Or in other times I've been like, yeah, I wish like my character had a bigger moment. And I was like, OK, we'll like take care of it next session. Or even if you check in in the middle of a session. Yeah, we like just adjust what's happening now to serve all everybody sitting at the table. And then, yeah, stuff like that. And that's stuff that comes to the more you play, yep. like, like, you know, we played every three or four times a week, every week for a year almost. And that's a ton more practice playing role playing games than most people get and a ton more time playing together than most play groups get. And it, that built up a lot of trust and also hang out with your players outside of playing games. That has to be the biggest things I've played with groups who the only time you see each other every week is to play D and D and that sucks. And it's harder to build up trust when that, when the game is the only thing that you have in common. So listen to each other and then it will follow. Hopefully um, is the idea, but also don't be, don't be stuck. Yeah. Don't be committed to the group that you're in just because you're in it. Sometimes it's better to play no RPGs than it is to play an RPG. <laughs> There are a lot of good actual play podcasts. Yeah. You can kind of get your Lots fix that way. Games. I definitely have when I've been on a dry spell. Um, yeah. Good solo games, especially now. Um, yeah, for sure. That's been a big pitch. Journaling games or solo games. And to that point, I was going to finish with this. So, Morgan, thank you again for your question. Um, but there's a big thing that really connects with me. And maybe this works for me because I'm a musician. Um, but I posted this a long time ago on my personal Instagram because it really affected me. And this is um, from the introduction to Sorcerer, 
which is an RPG by Ron Edwards, who's part of the Forge and that whole scene, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, so influential as far as modern story gaming RPGs go. Um, but yeah, in, as part of the introduction, it says art or game. I'm just going to read this out. Art or game. I think of role-playing as playing in a band. On Sorcerer Night, or on RPG Night, you get together and make cool-sounding noises. You'll have to try people out and have standards for their abilities. Everyone has to listen. Everyone has to play honestly and hard. And no other group will be quite like it. It doesn't concern winning, although showing off for your friends might be part of it. It has nothing to do with losing either, although screwing up or regretting things can play its role. In a band, if someone's not having fun, they stop coming. If someone is not up to the level of the other members or can't handle their end of things, they stop getting invited. Eventually, the band might be a pretty good. When all is said, the rules you hold are just some instruments. The music is up to you. And that blew my mind when I first read it. And I think it's a really good example of what you should be looking for. That's all I've got. Yeah. I think that's you. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Go, go make music and thanks so, for listening to ours. That was a good conversation to miss, JD. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was all about Jackie Chan adventures. <laughs> Anyways, here we go. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking. It, it totally could have been. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not at all. Yeah. No, it was. We it's ever been, joked about things. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, of my s***. <laughs> You're welcome, future editor. <laughs> that's getting that's getting left in. I don't even. Know. <laughs> that's a stinger for sure. No, it's not. <laughs> How is that not the fucking stinger for the dragon's dinner? Because I'm tired of being the stinger. I'm tired of being a dancing monkey. Atlas doesn't get tired of holding the world up. <laughs> Damn straight up. <laughs>